as follows. There was a three-way tag match between the Dark Order and Helico and Jack Evans and Jungle Saurus. That's not what they're called. <laughs> <laughs> Jurassic well, Express. Well, it was only, no, yeah, it was Jurassic Express with Marco Stark. Marco Stunt. He, he is part of, he is part of Jurassic I know, Express. I know, I know. I like to call them, but he wasn't wrestling. Jura- Jungle Saurus. Mar- That's terrible. <laughs> I'm leaving all of this in. That's horrific. <laughs> I wrote the summary for Yes, she did, clear, clearly, because that took me by surprise. <laughs> I thought you said you read it. I did miss that part. <laughs> Jungle Saurus sneaks in like a ninja. Hello, people of Earth. And welcome to the second episode of Wanna Watch AEW, where we ask, Hey, you wanna watch AEW? I sure do. I am, as ever, your host, Ramin, and across from me is... Callie. How's it going? Oh, just dandy. I'm a little bit... A little bit under the weather because of all the smoke that we've had. It's true. There's a lot in, of wildfires so and stuff going on right now. We're gonna, yeah, we're gonna do our best here. But if yeah. that's why I sound a little, she gets a little of that sexy vocal fry. We'll Frog like, yeah. yeah. Is it the vocal fry? I'm gonna the try and keep. Fry. I'm gonna try my best to keep it to the min- a minimum. <laughs> this week we are reviewing the second official in brackets pay-per-view of All Elite Wrestling, AEW. It's been about three months since the last pay-per-view we reviewed. Well, I mean, in 2019. In 2019, yes, yes. In correct chronological order. In chronological order. Before we get into All Out, though, uh, we did skip a couple of the pay-per-views. So, Rom, do you want to run us through the ones we skipped? Yeah, we skipped a couple. I think we decided to do it because they weren't full pay-per-views in in the sense and, like, scale and grandeur of Double or Nothing or All Out and All In. And also, they were mostly their attempt or not attempt i guess their way of pushing storylines forward to this pay-per-view because they didn't have dynamite yet the first one is fighter fest from june 29th 2019 the name is a parody of the uh good old fire festival if yeah you all remember that, I found, that disaster I, I found a quote online from kenny omega uh he said about fighter fest quote i wanted more I wanted music from the top artists in all genres. I wanted to rub elbows with TV and movie celebs while sipping on Coke Zeros and pre-workout, all while surrounded by the world's top runway and underwear models. Have I gone too far? Have I gone insane? Maybe. But I know we have a dream. This is Fighter Fest. That was actually uh, a series of skits from BTE. Yeah, and I haven't watched any BTE yet, but you're keeping us in the loop. Yes, so uh, (laughs) basically it was a bunch of skits where Kenny would pretend that he was trying to put together a better festival than Fire Festival and was having ridiculous things that he wanted to uh, have, like a live band and streamers and, you know, like everyone gets their own unique wardrobe and all this silly stuff. The planning of it sounds just wild. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And, And the last quote was actually a monologue Kenny did to the camera during BTE. It's actually a perfect example of how they used BTE and AEW's YouTube channel to promote events or push forward storylines at the time, before Dynamite really kicked off. It was a little silly, to be honest, but it also showed (laughs) 
that AEW. I mean, silliness is a part of AEW. And, it's and fun, silly, silly though. And fi- exactly, and honestly, silly is a big part of it's wrestling. Like silly. we talked, like we talked about last week with Cornette, and yeah. the idea of comedy being a thing that you can have in wrestling. And I like the fact that AEW was really willing to poke fun at themselves and not just be sort of a serious and um, I think like emotionally monochrome as WWE is, despite their. Lots of color and pastel. Everyone yeah. is kind of always at the same level all the time. Yeah, so everyone's all hyped up. Yeah. I particularly like the the Fire Festival style like documentary they made on the AEW channel. It's like 15 minutes long. Oh, Jesus. But it starts with like QT Marshall taking a giant bite of like a Granny Smith apple and then wincing, which is like agreed. Yeah, yeah. Apples. Is that the kind of food that they have at Fighter Fest? I guess so. Like, well, that's, no, like... that, that's the thing. Kenny bought the actual tents from the Fire Festival, apparently. Oh, there was one just God. like stand, set, sat at like the front of the, the rampway with these like attractive models and then. During the show, Kenny realized he didn't have enough money for the models, so two of them had to go away. <laughs> this is the documentary. <laughs> yeah, show. yeah, Maybe yeah. You should watch this. No, it Sounds was part of Fire Festival. No, it is. It's really funny. And, like, they have the band area set up, but they couldn't afford the band, sure. so it's just nobody there. Yeah. There's no music playing. They, he promised there'd be, like, a pool party, and said there's just a kiddie pool. Oh, jeez. Like, <laughs> I the... mean, it is a pool party. Right? Sure, sure. Kenny was the lead in planning it because he had partnered with Community Effort Orlando Gaming. Um, and that's where I found the quote was actually from their website. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that was a partnership between AEW and CEO Gaming. Which I I know they still do Fighter Fest. I'm not actually sure if that connection is still there, but I remember at the time, like, Fighter Fest was planned before AEW was really, like, yeah. a production. Now they have Dynamite to, yeah. to further their storylines. Right. But anyways, what were the highlights of Fighter yes. Fest 2019? So, matches were pretty cool. Ryo fought Nyla and Yuka Sakazaki in a three-way match, and Ryo beat them both, looking strong. Mm-hmm. Cody and Darby went to a 20-minute time limit draw. Cody took a chair shot to the head from Sean Spears, which we will talk about later. Because if we do that now, we'll never finish the pay-per-view. Yeah, yeah, you have some issues with that, uh-huh. too. I think, I think the general public did, too. Sure. The main event was a hardcore-slash-unsanctioned match between Joey Janela and John Moxley. Moxley won because, obviously, why would Joey Janela ever go over Mo- John Moxley? That just In a hardcore match. match? No, or in any match. In any I mean, fair, situation but... whatsoever, that would I mean, never maybe... happen. I don't know. After the match, Kenny and Moxley fought in the arena, and Kenny left Moxley laying as a receipt for Double or Nothing. Ah, payback. Yes. The other pay-per-view was Fight for the Fallen, which many, some may recognize as an episode of Dynamite that happens where they mm-hmm. it's basically their version of Tribute to the Troops. Though I think in 2023 it was for firefighters. Well, yeah, it was for, for the Maui Food Bank. Yes, correct. Um, right. Because of the fires in Hawaii. Yeah. The first one was for victims of gun violence. Oh, and interesting. Then, yeah, so they do different charities every year. And okay. yeah, it is now kind of on Dynamite from what I could tell. The matches were as follows. There was a three-way tag match between the Dark Order and Helico and Jack Evans and Jurassic Express. <laughs> if you hear her laughing, it's because she wrote Jungle Saurus in our notes. <laughs> it makes sense to me. Sure. The Dark Order wins, and they'll go on to All Out tonight to fight for a bye in the Tag Team Championship Tournament. The Lucha Bros beat SCU. The Lucha Bros are strong and awesome and the bestest. These are all <laughs> things I didn't write. But I agree. I don't disagree. Yeah, come on. No. Am Main, I wrong? Tell me no, I'm wrong. No, no, you're not. Where's the lie? Where's the lie? <laughs> Main event saw the Young Bucks beat Cody and Dustin Rhodes in a tag match. We heard about that match at Double or Nothing mm-hmm. when we were crying. And Jericho attacked Hangman to build heat for their match tonight where he cut Hangman over the yeah. eyebrow. Yeah. <laughs> 
2019, I will be the first All Elite Wrestling Champion. Everyone trusted me to make a statement on that first show. I felt that I was on another level, something that couldn't be stopped, but it wasn't good enough. The Young Bucks versus Lucha Bros, no question about it. Chicago All Out! Is one of our greatest rivalries ever. There's gotta be a reason. Sean Spears tore Cody Rhodes' head off. Cody crossed the line. He's changed. If you wanna come get it, you know where I'll be. If you wanna come get it, you know where I'll be. He's changed. Spears with a chair shot right to the side of the head. He's changed. I know what makes the Rhodes family tick. That blood that I saw pooling out of the back of his head may as well have been a mirror into your future. He wanted to know what it was like to live a month in the life of Kenny Omega's shoot. He wanted to know what it was like to be like me, to be called the best in the world. What happened, John? Deep down, I love it when you hate me. Young Bucks! There's no real way to prepare for a match like this. They're calling this match the Escalera de la Morte, which is stairway to death. This is their style of ladder match. Because we are the best team of the universe! You can say what you want, you'll never be mine. When the stakes are the highest, the Young Bucks prevail. Somebody's gonna be crowned the new AEW World Champion. We knew he was going to be here. Shoot us a fact! Just give me a thank you. AEW, thank you for making me feel for the first time in months that I truly had to fight. Thank you for making me feel alive. I am going to prove that the hangman is nothing more than a little bitch. The only thing that stands between me and being the first All Elite Wrestling World Champion is a little bit of blood. There is not a damn thing I would not do to make sure that on September the 1st, when I look in the mirror, I see the champion. But here we are, All Out 2019. It is August 31st, 2019. It's the Labor Day weekend in North America. Uh, A few short months before the world ends for a while. Oh, right. In 20... <laughs> it's just a fever oh, dream. that thing. That old COVID that thing. Old code but we chestnut. did, we, as of recording, we just watched All Out 2023 on Labor Day weekend. Yeah. Now, we will not speak of it, because that's not the point of this podcast, yeah. but... We'll it, only minorly date stamp this, yeah, this podcast. Yeah, but, like, I think that really confirms why we should be doing this podcast. I so. agree. So we're back in Chicago at the Sears Center Arena in 2019. There are over 10,000 people in attendance, 10,500. Buy rate for the pay-per-view was 101,000. That's um, fantastic. That's like quite the increase from the last one. Yeah, yeah. Like there is demand for that. So um, we did not watch the pre-show. There were a couple of matches here. Yeah, the Women's Casino Battle Royale. Nyla beat Britt Baker to get a chance at the Women's Championship on the first episode of Dynamite. Whether the champion is Sheeta or Riho gets decided tonight, and <laughs> you will actually really like that ma- Dynamite match, I will tell you. Oh, I still remember. I really it. liked this match tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Private Party versus Angelico and Jack Evans. They performed their finisher, the Gin and Juice, on Evans to win the match, and then afterwards, Angelico and Evans beat them down. Exciting. I mean, 
Why do you think we didn't watch the show? <laughs> Although the, the Battle Royale sounds actually kind of cool. But anyway, sure. so we have on commentary, we have... JR, obviously. Yes, Excalibur, who we know and looks timelessly handsome. It's true, and I can hear everything you said. There was no tits to stare into this week. <laughs> and Golden Boy. Who yeah! I didn't know personally at this point. Ramen, you seem to have heard of him. I'd seen him do some coverage, like esports coverage. I'm pretty yeah. sure he, used, he did, if not still does, Street Fighter coverage. I Yeah, I looked him up here. So Alex Golden Boy Mendez, currently a popular host and commentator in the esports realm, as you said. Now I have just mastered the right joystick in Baldur's Gate 3. So and I'm very proud. It's actually going really well. So esports is nothing is something that I know nothing about besides the fact that it's a really huge industry. IMDB credits him with appearing on only the second episode of Dynamite, not credited with All Out or Fighter Fest, which he also commentated. So he was hired on with AEW. It seems like he didn't ultimately do a lot of commentary uh, because of his esports schedule. It is clear from the page that is formerly known as his Twitter feed that he is a huge mark and still loves AEW, loves wrestling, seems like a really cool guy. And as a human with a opinion on this matter, he has a very strong beard game. It's true. What's up? As somebody with a beard, I'm I'm <sighs> very I'm happy with his Swoon. work. Excellent work. Yeah, it's Better than Excalibur, for sure, for sure. I don't know. It could be a battle of the beards. Like battle Excalibur has a pretty solid looking. Well, we'll talk about it later. Like, but I, I honestly think those two should be their own commentary duo. They have really good chemistry. They're so good together. Yeah, and like, better than the other Alex. Better, better than the other. He who shall not be named. Fair. Well, that's who we have on commentary, and then we have our first match, which is SCU and Christopher Daniels versus. Jurassic Express, which is Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, and Marco Stunt. Look at that, you got it right. Yeah, but it could also be Junglesaurus, and I would be It could be. That. It isn't. Yeah, I know. That's, <laughs> yeah. Why, I, that's why I called it as Jurassic Express. Sure. Right? Um, so my first impressions, I noticed that SCU and Christopher Daniels had different entrance music from the last time I saw them, or SCU's music, anyways. Yeah, they had they had more distinct SCU music. Yeah, um, and I couldn't remember who it was that was on the microphone, but they grab a microphone before um, Junglesaurus comes out, uh, and they say, you know, they're, you know, the You're crowd... You're not going to not say that, are you? The crowd's loving it. They say, new year, new dealer, new deck, new shuffle, and they're hyping up all out. You know, SCU, I know they have, like, this heel heat thing going on, but they're very clearly over. Like they have this like heel overness to them that MJF had before he like became a baby face before he became a baby face. 1980s baby face. Yeah. Wait, we're, we're in 2019 right now. Yes. No, you're right. Max (laughs) hasn't even wrestled yet. Um, so then Jurassic Express comes out. Well, before they come out, there's these like fake ground shaking effects and like a cut clip to a glass of water that's shaking, which to me was like a very obvious Jurassic Park reference in my mind. It kind of, it was, the effects were a little cringe. I see what they're going for. I mean, it's wrestling, It's fun, but it was like, okay. I'm just saying it was less cringe. There's been, yeah, there's other cringe spots. It wasn't, it, uh, it doesn't even really get on the I defend that effect. Well, okay. They're a very cool looking trios team. I don't actually know, like, obviously I know Jungle Boy, um, I know Luchasaurus, I don't really know Marco Stunt, even though, like, he looks like a little baby even next to Jack Perry. I know, he's, like, I didn't know that humans could be built like that. So, Jungle Express. (laughs) Jurassic Express. Oh, is that what it is? (laughs) Shut the fuck up. (laughs) Yeah, you got me all laughing again. We're never gonna get through this. (laughs) Okay. 
Um, they are a very cool-looking trios team, though. I don't really know a lot about them, so tell me a bit about Jurassic Express. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that much. This is the first time I had seen them also in mm-hmm. 2019. I had no idea who Luchasaurus was. They do some funny stuff with him where they treat him like a real dinosaur, but mm. he can talk, he can speak English. Sure. But he says, like, oh, my people are, like, 100 million years old and things like that. So, like, they do try to keep, like, a real kayfabe. Yeah. That he's a real dinosaur, which is... <laughs> That's kind of fun. Cute. But, like, I do overall really like the whole boy and his dinosaur motif of Jurassic Express. Yeah. I like that a lot. The combination of the three of them is a really smart thing because there is a sort of exoticism to the largeness and smallness of luchasaurus and marco yeah yeah marco doesn't last very long in AEW. I, he stays with jurassic express for about a year or two but i feel like marco ends up being one of those guys that you know as the roster increased and as you got more and more high profile guys from nxt or from impact and at new japan Marco just gets kind of squeezed between the sides, and his contract contract doesn't get picked mm. up. Later I feel like on. I'm gonna look him up on a later episode mm-hmm. and do like a little deep dive. But um... but he's impressive. I really like him a lot. I think during the show I, I mentioned, he reminds me a lot of uh, Spike Dudley. The Dudley boys had a little brother called Spike Dudley, mm-hmm. and he was little Spike Dudley, so his finisher was the acid drop. Mm-hmm. He would take these gnarly bumps where mm-hmm. he. Bo- I swear, well, Dudleys. So. Yeah, well, and I, but he would take it from his brothers. Like most of the <laughs> time, they were just beating the shit out of him. <laughs> So, yeah, so Marco gives me that energy, which is a, which I say is a compliment. Mm. So the match starts with Jungle Boy and Kazarian in the ring. Jungle Boy gets an early bridge out. You know, they're trading pins, blows, showing us that these guys are really equally matched. Jungle Boy lands a really cool-looking Arabian-style arm drag. The commentators are saying that Jungle Boy is, quote, making eyes at his dinosaur, which I think is the... The, a boy and his dinosaur, yeah. but I just thought it was kind of hilarious in the moment. So he does get the tag to, to Luchasaurus at that point. I also, like, I, I think it's it's good to mention now that, like, throughout his entire career, even now at where the jungle is gone, JR cannot decide what to name Jack Perry. Never. He never yeah. figures it out. He it's tries. either Jungle Jack or Jack Perry or or Boy Jack, or Jungle Boy, or Jungle like, Boy Perry, Jungle Boy Perry, Jungle he just, Jack Perry. He like can't not leave Perry out of the name. Yeah. But Jr. just keeps bringing it up. Yeah, I find not... it kind of endearing. Like, well, it's very clearly like something he calls him in the back. Yeah, yeah. But it was just yeah, it was it's, just hilarious. It, yeah, he never match. figures it out. Um, it's like when he when whenever he would watch like Chris Jericho wrestle anyone else named Chris, he would just call them the two Chrises. <laughs> I mean, that's a little different, but it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense just to think, me. Just say them by their last name, Jim. You hired them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You should, you should <laughs> like, at least have that part. Come down, on, man. But, anyway. Um, but anyway, so Marco Stunt gets in. He does some sort of like TikTok trend dance um, as if to emphasize how childlike yeah, he is. And how old we are. Yeah. Um, he is very agile, though. He yes. does like a, a really cool like diving body press onto Christopher Daniels off of Luchasaurus's shoulders. It was really, it was a really cool way to showcase his skills despite his size and, you know, as you'd mentioned, like the size differences that the the two of them have. And their, their sort of like cohesiveness as a team. Yeah, yeah. It is a really interesting tag team. And then, you know, later on in the match, SCU is really doing a good job at isolating Jungle Boy in the ring. You know, in my opinion, he he's the strongest wrestler on Jurassic Express. I mean, Luchasaurus is, is huge, sure, but like technically speaking, I think sure. Jungle Boy is the strongest wrestler. So um, those kicks from, dra- from Luchasaurus. That oh, guy's- 
God. Agility is amazing. Devast- uh, yes, he is very... He, he did is- a handspring. Well, he did okay, a goddamn gets, handspring. Well, yeah, so um, they do get a hot tag onto Luchasaurus after Kazarian gets like a really killer looking like dropkick, turnbuckle dropkick. Yeah, yeah. Um, He does get a hot tag. He's like full in beast mode. Like he gets a fucking standing moonsault on Kazarian and he gets... The, the gazelle. It's not a gazelle. It's not an animal. <laughs> it's a choke <laughs> so slam. I, yeah, so I, I introduced Callie to the to the idea of the goozle. Is goozle? Goozle, which is when, when someone goes for a choke slam and they grab your throat, the throat grabbing is the goozle. Why is it called that? I don't know. I really don't. I promise you I would tell you if I did. Okay. Next really, time it comes up, I, need I to expect figure out, an explanation. Taz will say it. He says okay. it multiple times. Yeah, anyways. But I, I think Excalibur said it this time because I had mentioned it to you earlier in the night. Yeah. I was just, hey, did you know what this is called? And then Excalibur says Goozle. And it I was, was like, said I... Few, and at this point, I noted it down because it had been said a few times. So, but yeah, Luchasaurus shows off his agility. Like you said, he's fucking huge. And he, so agile, yeah. The crowd is chanting Luchasaurus. And then we get Marco Stunt and the, the sort of skills that he has. There was a really cool, I think it was a DDT spot. Again, I still am learning no, you're right. some of the, the yeah. yeah. But again, they, they really showcased Marco's skills. And then, yeah, SEU and Daniels eventually do get everyone out of the ring. There's a bunch of topes. Tope, tope, tope. tope. And then the stereo best melts are ever on Jungle Boy and Marco Stunt. Marco gets pinned for the three, and SU and Daniels wins. And I think the right guy took the fall. You can't really put... I mean, they want to put Jungle Boy over. Mm -hmm. And very clearly, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus are going to be the tag team if they... Yeah. Like, Marco, Marco, even... He brings his own, for sure. He carries his own weight. shitting all over the trio. No, he carries his own weight. But you can tell, like, okay, this guy, if they have to cut someone, it's going to be Marco. Sure. And, like... In kayfabe, logistically, you want to pin the smallest guy. Right, of course. So it just makes sense. Yeah. I actually think there were a couple times in the match I liked where Marco was trying to do pins and he just couldn't, he didn't have the weight. <laughs> JR would bring up how he doesn't have the weight to like hold down a guy's shoulders. And like, it's funny, but it's also, that's good psychology. It's yeah. like, yeah, Marco's never going to get the pin unless yeah. Luchasaurus knocks somebody out with a goozle. Yeah. <laughs> Can you knock someone out with a goozle? <laughs> I, well, I mean, if you goozle them hard enough. <laughs> yeah. Give it a real goose. Ooh. Let's not say we did. But I think Jungle Boy was the standout for me in this match, you know, even though Jungle Saurus lost. Jungle Saurus. I I actually think Luchasaurus was the standout for me because I I hadn't, like, in 2023, he's not wrestling a lot, and he's certainly not wrestling the way he does here. Mm -hmm. And so I remember even back then being like, who is this giant athletic man? Yeah. Why is he so bendy? Yeah, he is so agile, hey, for his size. Yeah. It's, it's... Yeah, it's great. The last thing great I will, wrestling. The last thing I will say about Luchasaurus, though, and I know we talked about this during the show, was that the mask. What do you think about the mask with the horns? I thought it was a really cool... Um, like, the mask itself was colored in a very cool way. The horns, I know, I don't know what they are made of. I'm guessing it's some sort of... It must be some sort of foam. Like some, yeah, you think plastic. it's some sort of foam. It could be some sort of, like, soft plastic that holds form that's, like, hollow on mm. the inside and that would bend if he, like, Yeah, because he does headbutts, so it's like... I wouldn't want to take that. Yeah. I have to yeah. close my eyes, but... And I, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to hear anyone else's theories or if somebody knows what the horns are yeah, made of. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Let us know. All right, match number two, and then we can end because <laughs> Kenny Omega's coming out. Oh shit! Toot, so toot, I need get to on finish the Kenny myself. Omega love train. It's true. Kenny Omega versus the bastard pack. Kenny comes out 
I remember noting this to you that Kenny looked really low energy. I remember thinking, oh, is something upset, like wrong? Is he pissed off? Like what's going yeah. on in this? And uh, I mean, I think we'll we'll talk about it as the match goes on. But it was an interesting, very auspicious way for him to start coming down to the ring. He still got his gaijin hair mm-hmm. and his uh, fresh out of Final Fantasy VI, seven Japan music. Is that what it's from? I just put upbeat fighter music, very like well, fresh out of Japan. I think it's Best Bout Machine is the song because mm. that's his like moniker is mm-hmm. the Best Bout Machine. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's his New Japan song. And then we have the bastard Pac. Yes, Pac, uh, Pac, Pac. I want to say Pac because I listened to so I, much Tupac growing I up. I feel like it's it's yeah, but it same. is Pac. It's, it's Pac. Pac. It's Pac. Okay, I think it's a tomato, tomato. Yeah, well, don't tell Pac that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I knew him also as the man that gravity forgot. Yes. Uh, he hails from across the pond. He did some indie wrestling promotions in England starting in two thousand four. Before coming to America to wrestle in, you know, smaller promotions, PWG, TNA, ROH. He did some work in Japan as well. WWE fans, again, would know him as Neville. I recognize him from his time at WWE. He had some very awesome matches in NXT against Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens. Lots of, I mean, pretty much everybody. Uh, yeah, pretty much everybody, but I, those were, I, I mean, I loved Kevin he had a, I, If I remember correctly, he also had a wicked match with John Cena. I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, at one point in, so I'm talking about NXT in 2014. Oh, he sorry, held sorry, the record mistake. for the longest rating NXT champion. At the time. Uh, yeah, at the time, 287 days. It's been, it was surpassed in 2016, I think, by Finn Balor, Indeed. I want to say. But again, I remember the match with Sammy where he was defeated and he lost the NXT championship and in shoot, this was because he was going to, to the, the main WWE, roster, yeah. yeah. But it was very exciting wrestling happening in NXT at that time. Was uh, that when Kevin came out and powerbombed him on the apron, too? I think after the match, he comes out and they powerbombs maybe him. Maybe after the match. I don't. I remember when, when he dropped the title, I remember him and Sammy, like, hugged it out. It was, like, really, mm. like, an emotional moment. I don't yeah. remember if Kevin Owens came out after. I just remember that, I because I really love Sammy Zayn. At sure. The time, so. I mean, of course. He's the best. He's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I know. He walked out of Raw in October 2017, and WWE froze his contract. As you do. Instead of letting it explode. And I think we will have to have a little deep dive on this cruiserweight drama on a future episode. I have questions about underhanded contract freezing. I mean, it's a fairly standard, not standard, but it is a, it is a practice in sports. I don't agree with it. I don't agree with it. Yeah. But but the idea is that their contract is, has a downside guarantee. If you're not going to wrestle, if you're refusing to go wrestle and make money for them, they have the right to freeze your contract until you decide to come back to work and make up what you owe them. I mean, I guess on a certain level, that makes sense. But like, I I think this is something we will deep dive on why he actually left Raw in October 2017 to yeah. lead to the contract freezing. Maybe the act of freezing the contract has some legal basis, sure. but the reasons why he actually walked out. Um, but again, by August 24th, 2018, they confirmed that PAC was no longer under contract. And then by January 2019, he signed with AEW. So clearly we have two very experienced wrestlers. So yes. take us away, Robin. Absolutely. I, I loved this match in 2019 and 2023. We're watching it. It is spectacular. These guys have such an interesting chemistry to me because it feels like, I don't know, watching it feels like they don't like each other, mm-hmm. but they both respect the crap out of each other. Oh, for sure. So the match starts with Kenny messing with Pac, acting like 
Pac isn't really much to deal with and being cocky, which also kind of explains his low energy entrance because it's more just him being like, I don't need to. I don't give a fuck. Not that I don't give a fuck, but it's like, well, I can just stroll in and do the tune-up match tonight and mm. walk out, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, Pac, Irish whips Kenny, and then when he does a drop down, instead of running over him, Kenny walks over him and steps on his back. You know, that kind of cocky behavior. Mm-hmm. And Pac does give back that sort of bravado and cockiness at one point. I think mirroring a similar move, but he's showing that, you know, he's not scared of those attempts at, like, machismo and, like, showing that these guys are equally matched. Yeah. Have they ever faced each other before? And as far as I know, I don't think at so. At this point in no. time? No. Okay. So Pac dodges Atopic Con Hilo by sliding under the ropes then slides back in and gives Kenny a Hurricanrana to the outside. Then Pac tries to do the same thing, but he gets back Brody Drop to the outside. And so it's, you know, showing that these guys are pretty equal in measure. Omega goes for Pascaro to the outside, but he gets fucking beamed by Pac mm-hmm. for his efforts. Just splats on the floor. It's brutal. And, like, one thing I always say about Pac, always, this character is the embodiment of viciousness. Absolutely. Like, like just the way he, he carries himself, yeah. his shoulders, yeah. that he's pushing forward very obviously. Like, yeah, no one walks like that. I know. <laughs> and he's just so in shape. Like, Kenny yeah. attempts this, like, early Kataro crusher. Yeah, and yeah. Pac just, like, handsprings through the move. Like, so it's nothing. I know. I, I bet you Luchasaurus walked past him in the back being like, beat that. Yeah, try that now. And yeah. so he was like, all right. <laughs> yeah. Like, hold my beer. Um, Throughout the match, actually, JR can't get over how amazing Kenny Omega is, which makes me uh, remember just why I'm a JR apologist. Mm-hmm. Because he's correct. Kenny is the best wrestler ever. Ever. Of all time. Ever. He get your dicks poured, out, people. He was poured into a mold of greatness, oh, of wrestling greatness, by up. Don Callis. <laughs> all right. Pac does a devastating move to Kenny, but he doesn't cover him. Excalibur calls him a bastard, but JR calls him, he's a stupid bastard for not making the cover. <laughs> and I really love the chemistry of the, the commentary. I think I agree. here's where... Yes. You wanted to point out that, like, Golden Boy and Excalibur's, like, commentary is, like, really fun. Yeah. And it's really relevant to what's going on in the ring. I think what what hit me here was, I don't think any wrestling company, like, major television wrestling company, has a completely young announced team. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying, like, there's no ageism here. I don't, like, I don't think JR needs to go away because he's old. I, in fact, really like that in 2023. Well, you're a JR apologist. You well, just admitted that, like, sure, a but, or but, two Sure, but even if I, even I have said to you in private, to no one else, that, that JR has some bad calls. But I still think, like, in 2023, when he's getting to choose what matches he covers. Right. When he's there, he's there. Yeah. You know, and I, I will always, like, love him for that. I do feel like Golden Boy and Excalibur, you know, these are two young guys who also love wrestling as much as these older dudes do and mm-hmm. have that same breadth of knowledge, but also have a much more young perspective to it, storytelling-wise. Yeah. And not to say that they don't have anything to learn from these older guys, but I think, you know, if they had like a like a Sunday Night Heat or darker, darker, you know, elevation still. I think that, like, a young duo of these two would have been cool. And I think both of these guys have learned from the old guard, right? 100%. Excalibur now is even way better than he was then, and he was amazing then. Yeah, and so, like, to be able to put that on display, I think would be really cool. Anyways, let's stop circle jerking the comments. No, absolutely. (laughs) But, yeah, to your point, Golden Boy and Excalibur have excellent chemistry together, and I I wish that I had them as a a duo for something. Yeah, if the esports thing doesn't work out. Yeah. Yeah, if it doesn't work out. Yeah. <laughs> if, it does, if that billion dollar industry dies somehow. Somehow. Yeah. 
And then uh, somehow the wrestling industry remained. <laughs> yeah, I know that because crossover. Because the world hasn't completely ended. Yes. You know? yeah. uh, arenas still have air conditioning. <laughs> Kenny takes a suplex from Pac over the top rope to the outside, fucking smashing his ankles yeah. on the guardrail. We'll talk about the guardrail tonight. That well, was a fucking gross I wanted to bring this up spot. right now because, like, it seems like kind of like an indie-esque setup of the barricades were, like, really being too close. It really hindered this spot in particular. Like, we have... There was another match, too, later. Was it yeah. the Darby match, I think, where he it gets was... his ankle smashed Yeah, it there? was probably the Darby match. But this one, you know, we have two very technically skilled wrestlers who can do these, like, crazy high-flying moves. And it's, like, hard not to kind of, like, fuck it up with the little room that they have yeah. you know and not that it was fucked up but it's like it it definitely would hinder the wrestler yeah. to not land the spot correctly so. and i i wonder if that's a layout thing or if that's an arena thing i don't know because i don't know where like i don't well this is the sears arena in chicago yeah there's ten thousand people i'm not really yeah. sure why they're well, so i don't narrow. understand it either but yeah. anyways we're back in the ring and and kenny um actually i wonder if it's one of those things i know we're talking about it a lot but it's i think it's interesting to, to look at you know these are a bunch of guys who have wrestled for a long time but they're new to being evps they've never done television really they've they've done pay-per-views for indie shows and for new japan that has these giant arenas with like a weird yeah. setups i think it's one of those things that they learn like oh if we're in if we're filming for television we need wider areas because the camera guys also need to watch right and we're doing spots for television that are different than you would do for like a live for crowd like a live crowd pay-per-view. that isn't being televised yeah so i think it's something that they will learn over time like the these well clearly things, they hired some professionals who are like here's stuff. how you produce a tv show but it's interesting but to see because those things is. do change over time as dynamite goes on it is and that's something that again as someone who just started watching in 2023 i definitely noticed that right right exactly but anyway so we're back in the ring kenny missile drop kicks pop oh, fuck. right in the back of the head from the yeah. top row. yeah followed by a fisherman buster which was a name i learned from ramen and i'm so proud i know I'm you're like, really getting it you're getting i'm there. getting it gets a two cant on that yeah um, i really like the the story of this match i really enjoyed you know reviewing as we're reviewing these matches sort of seeing the psychology of move by move mm-hmm. for some of these matches Pac is really challenging competitor for kenny every time kenny gets an inch in a move Pac takes back a mile kenny tries the you can't escape but then Pac slides out of it then Pac tries to go for kenny kenny picks him up again and hits the green bay plunge part of the move but then when he goes for the moonsault, Pac just rolls out mm-hmm, of the way, mm-hmm. you know? And then Pac sets up for a black arrow, which forces Kenny to slide to the outside, but not to be deterred. Yeah. He goes for an insane moonsault on the outside. And both of them smash again right, yeah, back right into, into the, the guardrails. You know, there's holy shit chants from the crowd at this point. Yeah, Pac's shins get fucking shit. My notes say, ouch. Like, I, I, you just watching that, I don't have it to be a wrestler. I don't. <laughs> Like, just my shin smashing, I'd be like, no, forget a back bump. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's a shitty place to just take anything. Yeah. <laughs> I do like that Pac's anger does kind of get the better of him, and this is something that happens in a lot of his matches. Mm-hmm. He has multiple opportunities to pin Kenny, but he just doesn't take it. He opts to punish Kenny's, like, impudence for challenging him, mm-hmm. uh, which then angers the commentators, which, you know, is a wonderful storytelling. Yeah, and- because JR can just be like, well, that, what a stupid bastard again. Yeah, I know. It really does play well into the into the character, really. It's it is the kayfabe of, of the character, yeah, right? It's the, it's the, of the character. It's, in wrestling, I guess, it's the psychology. That's the, right. that's okay. the that's term. That's the term right? we'll yeah. use. Pack and Kenny just keep hammering each other with forearm and elbow strikes. Really strong style yeah. wrestling. At some point, Pack just tells Kenny to hit him, but instead Kenny just fucking straight kicks him, like a front kick to his chest right back into the turnbuckle. 
Then, as Pax stumbles out of it, he hits him with a sky high for a two count, and the ground gets, like, a second massive yeah, applause break. it was wild. Yeah. Uh, Callie did ask about this move during the show, so I wanted to say it's popularized by uh, the great D'Lo Brown from the Attitude Era. I don't remember, know if you remember D'Lo with the chest no, protector. I don't think I would. And he would no. waggle his head around when he would talk. I'm sure His there's... music said that he was the real deal now. I'm sure there's people listening that will oh, remember yeah. it. No. Uh, my, we... my well's not that great. I Deep... slash, I slash we love D'Lo on this show. R.I.P. Draws. Also, Jr. calls it a spine buster, which is uh, not, he's not correct, and also you hired D'Lo. But uh, again, Yeah, he's not quite on form tonight, to be honest. Jr. Yeah, not mm. not tonight, like, not the way he was last show. Fair, fair. He's a little, you know, maybe it's the long weekend thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, better. Labor Day. Labor Day. <laughs> but anyways, the height that pockets before he slammed into the mat, it was just very, very impressive. Yeah, you were taken aback by that move. Yeah, I was like, whoa! Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, he hits the mat, and it is now time to pull the V-trigger. Uh, but Pac pulls the ref instead, Paul Turner. Fucking bastard. That bastard. Pac tries to sneak in a strike from the top rope, but gets a dropkick for his chummel. Kenny is finally building momentum in this match. Hits a massive V-trigger. Then he attempts the one-winged angel, but Pac fights out. And then Kenny drops him down, catches him midway, and swings back for a huge bridging German. And it all happens in the time it took me to recount. Yeah, it was really fucking cool looking. At one point, Kenny yells to Pac, why won't you go down? (laughs) Yeah. See, like, I didn't even hear that. I missed that entirely. Yeah, Kenny feels like he's so confident that he should be able to beat him. Like, even though, as you said, Pac is, like, torturing him and, like, giving Kenny hell. Like, Kenny still has that, like, machismo. Like, I should be able to beat you. Yeah, it's interesting that he's, like, so blinded by his own ability that he can't see that Pac is, like, a threat to him. Such good storytelling. Yeah. We did speak last week, too, about the, or last episode, sorry, about the pace of these tag mm-hmm. matches. And the ladder match later tonight is also a great indicator of that. But, like, these two guys, the speed and, like, power and relentlessness of these two, like, beasts of cardiovascular endurance is fascinating to me. They have, like, a 60-minute brawl at some point on Dynamite, and it's amazing. I cannot wait. It's amazing. An entire hour of Dynamite taken up by these two. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. So Pac tries a German suplex on Kenny, who flips out of it. Yeah, that's um, right on his feet. Yeah, but Kenny misses the follow-up clothesline, and he gets hit with a suplex instead. Then Puck deadlifts for another bridging German right suplex. Right off the ground. Yeah. Like a like, complete 180 pendulum. It's a it's a failed pinfall attempt, but both guys are looking really, really gassed at this point. The audience gets updated about the time limit. They get a, a voice from the PA saying that there's 10 minutes left, and JR and Excalibur say it's a race against the clock at this point. Which, there's two sort of meme things that JR was known for at mm-hmm. this point. One of them was saying that closed fists expose the business, mm-hmm. which I don't agree, but I can see his point. And I, I feel like he says it because he was around during the Brawl for All where they tried to get wrestlers to do actual boxing matches, mm-hmm. and it was a goddamn disaster. Mm-hmm. He's like, none of that. Yeah, it like Not killed, in my it wrestling killed Dr. Ring. Death Williams' career by getting knocked out in the first round. So there's that, and then there's also JR talking about how WWE didn't have any time limits in their matches at this point uh-huh. and how you can't really build drama for a match when you don't know that it'll end at some point and i used to think you know i get it but i feel like that's old school logic mm. and now having watched so many like 60 minute draws in AEW, he's a goddamn genius <laughs> the time limit draw is such an essential part of a wrestling match mm-hmm. that i never would have thought it adds an extra element it really does that like this sort of looming ending like the the i mean we're not going to talk about it but the mjf 
and Adam Cole match that ended that way. You were completely shocked by that. I lost my mind. Such a good idea. So I, I really like that they're bringing that up even this early. Mm-hmm. Um, Kenny reverses an avalanche and Karana, thank God, sliding out of the corner and then dropping Pac face first on the turnbuckle, which makes Galley audibly gasp. Yeah, it was brutal, brutal, brutal. Each strike here has like every ounce of force behind it. My boy, golden boy. My golden boy. My golden boy. Again says My pony I'm- boy. <laughs> Again, he says what I'm thinking, though, about the excitement of this back-and-forth match. Again, Pac, he blocks a V-trigger. And then he misses a step-up and Zagiri. I, I wrote that. That's correct. But That's I correct. don't know what it so is. So, in Enzigiri is when, like, for example, if you kick and someone grabs your leg. Uh-huh. And then you do a move where you, like, jump up and kick them with your other free leg in the head. Uh-huh. That's an Enzigiri. When you do a step-up in Zagiri, you step up on their knee or their body or whatever mm. and then kick them in the head. Well, he's able to do that and block a V-trigger. Kick Kenny right in the face, but... V-trigger anyways, because you can't stop the trigger. <laughs> Kenny has zero quit in this match also, which is a huge part of it. Now that they're in the like final stretch, mm-hmm. there's a lot of tenacity from both of these guys. He dips under Pac's clothesline and then hits another V-trigger. Then he goes through the one-wing angel again, which gets reversed into the Brutalizer. Yeah. The variation on the rings of Saturn, and Kenny gets completely worn down because he gets it applied to him while he's standing, and he has no way of leaning back and getting air, and so he just gets worn down completely. The match completely stalls, Yeah. and he just drops the mat, and it's over. Yeah, it was a really, really brutal-looking submission hold. So Pac wins by submission. I'm at the edge of my coach. I, I When I first watched this, I was fucking speechless yeah and the crowd they appear really equally as shocked as i am yeah no one really saw that end coming but as soon as even back then as soon as he put on the brutalizer i was like oh this is done yeah i mean i think i was really like unsettled by the ending of this match (laughs) that is a Pac match yeah he's an unsettling dude it was not a satisfying end for me because it leaves that sort of like uncertainty and unsettled feeling like a similar feeling to watching like the empire strikes back and the ending of it and you know because the good guy lost is that the for you i mean in this context no not because the good guy lost it's just that like so like there's this uncertainty and this unsettled feeling it's not because the good guy lost it's that like you know this isn't over Mm. um so it's really yeah like it's really it's actually really good storytelling like you know this feud is going to continue partly because of the way you beat him like you you put him into submission like it's i just think that there's more to see oh absolutely so that's kind of how i felt at the end of it like it was a really good match don't get me wrong but like the end of it like for me Mm -hmm. my feelings sure yeah absolutely i was Um, like what the fuck man uh post-match the commentary says kenny made a ton of mistakes across the match and that he doesn't normally make alluding to being distracted by john moxley who he should have been fighting tonight and that was the thing we hadn't talked about yet, was that mm. this was actually supposed to be Kenny and Moxley. But unfortunately, Moxley got a reinfection of the MRSA infection oh. in his elbow. And next time, when Kenny and Moxley finally face each other, we will talk about when John Moxley left WWE and that whole saga. Yeah. But not this week, because he's not on the show. And the MRSA thing actually plays a part in that, so I'm glad that it's kind of... It's not well, that I'm it's, glad it happened to him, yeah, but... Yeah, it's relevant. You know, it's it's relevant. relevant to yes. the story, for sure, for sure. Match three. Match three. We have the Cracker Barrel Clash. Brought to you by Cracker Barrel. Yes, the Cracker in brackets barrel clash. (laughs) Yeah, because we have Darby Allen. (laughs) Cracker number one. Jimmy Havoc. Cracker number two. Versus the bad boy Joey Janela. The Cracker Jack. (laughs) The Cracker. 
Oh, Jesus Christ. So, first impressions. Yeah. 2019, Ramen says, I absolutely do not get what's cool about either Darmy or Jimmy Havoc. I am the least goth person ever. Yeah, I mean, they, they both have the similar, like, goth alt look to them. It's similar. We thought he was Darby last time. Right, yeah, we did. Um, <laughs> and then and then Joey Janela's looking very, like, apres ski bro. I have no bright, idea what that means, by the way. In he his wrote that bright, in the notes. Like, he went skiing. And what is apres? Like, after? After. Post ski bro? Yeah, yeah, he's chilling at the chalet. Um, he looks like he found that those glasses in a garbage can <laughs> and just put them on. Yeah, off. and then he went to the chalet. He's got this, like, I'm a bad boy in his entrance song. <laughs> Yeah, it made Kelly laugh so hard. I cringe laughed, but he's like hyping up the crowd. Like the crowd's sure. really excited no, to see No, people him. like Joey Janela. I know. I couldn't tell you why, but they do. I just, I had a good laugh at that because it was just like such a like, I'm a bad boy. And I'm like, ooh. Now. Are you? If you have to say it, are you? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preface this by saying that this is purely my opinion. I do not judge anyone who likes any of these people or any of this kind of wrestling. Genuinely. Yeah. However, 2023 Raman says, fuck this match. I have no interest in any of these men. These three generic archetypal crackers fighting for, I don't know, supremacy? Oh, wait, that's not good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> generic white men wrestling is not particularly exciting for you? No. Okay, look. Uh, and, like, again, I said, I am, I am mostly kidding. I'm, I'm exaggerating my opinions for effect here. It's a podcast. Even if, no, if I have no, like, particular affinity for these men... They're all wrestlers. They're all well, yeah. fairly well respected. Mm-hmm. And anyone who can do that profession has my utmost respect, genuinely. I don't know. I guess it's just more of like an attitude thing for me. Like, it's not that they're white. Genuinely, it's not. But like when MJF calls like Matt Taven and like the Kingdom guys generic white guys, I'm like, I wholeheartedly agree. Mm-hmm. All of them are interchangeable. Mm-hmm. And to me, all three of these men are interchangeable. In yeah. This they're, 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 they're about as exciting as going to Cracker Barrel. <laughs> I guess so. I don't know. I'd go to a Cracker Barrel. Uh, but lo, as if like proving my point, JR and Excalibur are almost exclusively talking about Cracker Barrel food and, and like their portion sizes. I can't help but think that JR is like looking at them at all three of these men, like that episode of Seinfeld where Kramer like uses butter as like tanning lotion yes. and then Newman starts picturing yes. him as like a roast chicken. <gasps> Oh, God. <laughs> so, as our resident cracker, Callie can handle calling this match. What up? <laughs> um, I will do my best. It's going to, like, make or break our podcast is me calling them crackers. I, I will do my best. Uh, like, JR is, you know, he said he's hungry, so am I. Uh, I did get distracted looking at the menu and the reviews of our closest Cracker oh, Barrel. God. I didn't know you were doing the that. Reviews, there no, was the re- a match going there on. Are, the reviews are actually really good. It's approximately uh, a week-long walk. <laughs> Why would we is, walk there? Well, that's about how long it's going to take for me to work up my appetite oh, sure, for this basic-looking home-style North American cuisine. Listen, like, I've been walking for a week. Just shovel it in my Yeah, mouth. like, no shade. I don't I just need have, to chase I this. just have preferences, sure. you know? No, and I can, I can cook at home if I need to. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, and by that you mean I can cook your food for you at home. If you <laughs> Our match starts, and immediately, immediately, Havoc is outside the ring to grab chairs, yes. tables, a staple gun. And I very suddenly become a fan of Jimmy Havoc because he's the only guy smart enough to remember the lessons from No Mercy on N64, which is that a triple threat <laughs> is no DQ, and your first move should always be to grab a weapon. Yeah. Or just find somebody and kick them in the nuts until they give up. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, the crowd starts chanting, you sick fuck, at Havoc about the, the stable very gun. Very premature. Yeah, in my opinion, it was a premature chant, but the crowd's super excited. Sure. So I think that's It's why. Chicago. They want blood. Yeah, yeah. So it does become a, a two-on-one against Havoc. They get Havoc sitting in the steel chair outside of the ring. 
Janella is feeding Havoc shots. Darby Allen tapes him down to the chair and then pours a coffee cup of thumbtacks down his throat. Uh. And then they tape his mouth shut. And, like, where are the you sick fuck chants now, Chicago, I ask? And, like, so, like, this is wrestling? Well, they are in a wrestling match, yes. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I can't be entirely negative about this. Like, I can't. I do commend AEW for at least attempting to show that, like, a 14A wrestling show will be dynamic. Mm-hmm. Like, so far we've seen a tag match, mm-hmm. a technically proficient one-on-one, and a hardcore three-way match with thumbtacks and meth. Meth, so, allegedly. Allegedly meth. So, <laughs> you know, it's it's nice that they're showing, like, this is diversity. There's going to be some, are you, if you're into deathmatch wrestling, yeah. this might be a part of it, yeah. you know? So uh, Joey does do an emerald frosion to Darby, a kind of, like, body slam brain buster mm. onto the apron, which should look cool, but it was, like, truly dangerous. And he did not look like it was done safely at all. Yeah, I Like, agree. he just drops it. Yeah, I had it noted as a botch in the notes. Like, he dropped him on his neck and then, like, leaves Darby to, like, save himself. Well, and that's not even, like, that's the thing. It's like he's he he picks him up for the move, and then as they're going down, he just lets go of Darby's neck. He yeah. doesn't protect it at no, all. No, no, protect the neck. There's lots of brawling, you know, the throwing tacks, setting up tables. You know, we have an issue, I think, with the barricades again and yes. them not being able to get the tables out. Yes. But, you know, it's looking very much like a stereotypical hardcore match. I didn't watch any ECW when it was airing, but, you know, obviously that promotion is well known for airing some really extreme shit. So um, I guess this is a good time to, you know, get your take uh, yeah. on this sort of hardcore I mean, match. I mean, you kind of have alluded to it. But... I mean, I think it's just, it's a... It's a tough conversation for me because I don't ever like being the kind of guy to, and like I've talked, we talked about this a little in the Mm. last episode. I don't like being the cornets of the world Mm. that are like, wrestling is only prescription, should be prescribed as this specific thing and this specific way of doing it. And this, I don't like being that guy. Yeah, cornets kind of a fuck. No, and there's definitely a part of me that's like, allegedly. This is, no, not allegedly. He's a fuck. Uh, (laughs) Who fucks? There's a, but like, Jim Cornette fucks. There's definitely a part of me that thinks that, like, all of this is cool in that, like, that part of me that loves, like, Terminator Mm -hmm. and, like, guns and video Mm -hmm. games or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. But, like, the part of me that's lived through, like, Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero and Public Enemy and Chris Candido and Pillman and Mm -hmm. all of the men and women from ECW and other places who have literally given their lives to glorify this, like, car clash plunder to the point where even Mick Foley in a lot of his books says like I kind of wish I had not done what I had done because mm-hmm. I didn't want to glorify this. Legend. Yeah, and I didn't want to glorify this, which like, you know, it's it's easy to say in retrospect when you've made all your money off and of it. And you're still alive. And you're still alive. But at the same time, you know, maybe I'm just getting old genuinely. Like I given how I feel about and we'll talk about it later like Cody's performance in Hell in the Cell with his torn pectoral and like Uh, I think that kind of shit is really irresponsible and I would love for like example for Excalibur to explain to me how paper cutting like finger webbing is a quote unquote style of wrestling Uh, it is not yeah, they did that in this match and there was like a collective like cringe from the crowd during this spot like we as spectators we may never know what it's like to be thrown through a table so we cheer at that but like we all know the stinging pain of like a paper cut on your hand <laughs> so this is such a light version of this well that's of this the thing style like, watching wrestling. watching the the rise and fall of ecw i'm just like oh even when it was airing i i'm but such that's a- not even even ecw is not this ecw had hardcore stuff but it was more about the wrestling than deathmatch wrestling, quote unquote, is. Yeah. Like, you know, there was no light tubes in this. Jericho does a match in AEW where he gets smashed in the face with a light tube. 
I will say, if anyone wants to disagree with me, I'm very happy for you to email us or talk, reach out yeah, to us. Yeah, like, want to watch This is not AW. me being like, I hate this, hate I wrestling or hate the, hate people who like this. It's just, it really affects me because I've lived through a lot of deaths in wrestling. I just don't want these guys to die. That's all. You know, can ultimately, it, that's where... Can it be it... real glass, though? <laughs> oh, God. Let's not. Let's, come on. Cry me a river. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank back you for that. Fucking... Thank you for that lighted lightning of that. There that was you good. go. I appreciate it. And yeah, and then we're back to and the back. Janela does do one cool move in this match. Yeah, he yeah. gets flipped onto the chair and then he like lands onto it, but he's like perfectly seated in the match. <laughs> Genuinely very impressive. Yeah, yeah. You said you wrote that as the officially the one cool move. Yeah. He does take a really insane moonsault though from the outside of yes. the top rope. So I think he's supposed to hit Jimmy Havoc, but he moved out of the way. But the camera yeah, never showed yeah, this yeah, happening, yes, right, so like right. I was really confused. So no, what what it does is that the camera is aimed at Janela on the top row. Yeah. And so you don't see that Hammock has moved out it, of like, the way. It needs and, to be a wide-angled shot yeah, or something. Yeah, you don't see that Havoc was A, his target, and B, moved out of the way. Because we didn't see no. who he was aimed at, Janela does a moonsault straight to the ground and just fucking flops onto it. Yeah, yeah. Breaks himself. But for what? For, what? for who? Oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, and so, so at this point, though, I'm distracted by the biscuits that have oh appeared. God. If anyone who's listening has eaten at a Cracker Barrel, can Jesus you email wannawatchaw at gmail.com with a review of their biscuits? I'm very curious. Um, and the I barrels. Would... The Cracker Barrels are back. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I wrote here, I want Jericho to come out and give these barrels a Judas effect. <laughs> Why aren't they continuing that feud? Yeah, that. we do have this awesome spot of Darby using yes. the tacked skateboard on Janela genuinely a cool spot he does what seems like a drop-in on janela's back golden boy calls it an ollie but i've watched my brother play (laughs) enough tony hawk pro skater 4 to know it's not an ollie but besides that's totally besides the point it's fucking hardcore that janela takes that Somewhere Donkey Kong is also disappointed with this improper use of transportation devices. Yeah, as, the barrels. As they start smashing barrels. Yeah, and I'm popping off for the barrel smash. Yeah. She's like, oh, a cool spot. The sp- a spot I don't have to look away from. What? <laughs> Not a botch? Well, it was kind no, of a botch. kind of a botch. The barrel spots honestly should have been the end of the match, though, on this. Yeah. That's another part of this. Is like, if it was like a bunch of quick spots and like cool plunder i'd be okay with yeah. it but like this goes on for 20 yeah, minutes because they get the other barrel yeah one wasn't enough no you had to break both transportation devices <laughs> but again they were both kind of botches though like yeah. the second spot was like a botch superplex onto the barrel and like jimmy havoc does an acid rainmaker for the pinfall yeah yeah on joey janela so which is like the idea of jimmy havoc doing any kind of rainmaker is fucking hysterical. It's like Baron Corbin and Kenny Omega having, like, undefeated finishers. Sorry, she's looking at me blankly. Because, <laughs> because like, the Rainmaker is Kazucho Okada's finisher. Okay. Who is, like, the greatest star New Japan has ever had. Uh, and the yes, idea... i yeah, told me about him. Well, well you watch him wrestle. Yeah. And so the idea of Jimmy Havoc doing a Rainmaker... Oh, mine's the same, but it's an acid one. I'm oh, just as good as Kazucho Okada. Is that what's going on? I'm oh, just as good. Okay. Get out of here. Yeah, so that was that match. Golden Boy did have one call about how, uh, well, Cracker Barrel is about making memories, which honestly was the highlight of this match for me. <laughs> like, I wish he was in the company. Hashtag bring back Golden Boy gate. <laughs> oh, gate. <laughs> Oh. Did you hear gamers are mad about something? Yeah, yeah, the gamers are mad about something. Uh, my favorite part is thinking about fried chicken. Uh, <laughs> well, we are not respecting this match No, no, all. no, actually, though, my highlight was Darby Allen. In my opinion, I think he carried the match. I don't disagree. You know, he dominated Janela in the ring after they tied up Havoc. 
He takes some really insane spots that look rough as fuck. And he also brought in some of the more exciting elements of the hardcore match, like the spike skateboard. Yeah. And, and just taking sick bumps. That's yeah, he took, whole, yeah. Um, and Havoc won this match, but the camera focuses on Darby Allen. He gets what you called the hero spot, which yeah. is kind of the dramatic walk up the ramp to the back. I'm okay with that. You know, even though in 2023, I'm not the biggest fan of Darby Allen. He's cool, but like, I'm not... He's kind of cooled off with the Nick Wayne stuff. I yeah, think. but like in this spot here, I think he definitely deserves the hero spot. He was the highlight. Yeah, and I think they could already tell like this is the guy we're going to be pushing. Yeah. Because Janela doesn't wrestle much for AEW anyway. I mean, it was fine. They, there were some fun spots. I do remember thinking in 2019 that the like the mouth tack spot was actually really cool. Because <laughs> I'd never seen anything like that. And like really, it's very safe. Like he's Unless he's like crunching them, they're not going to hurt him. They're just in his mouth, right? Like... Um, what if you accidentally swallow Well, that's them? the risk of of doing this style of wrestling. I do think, yeah, it could have been shorter. It wasn't the worst, but it really hit me in places that I was not comfortable with. Match four, best friends versus Dark Order. Yeah, we have a tag match, uh, and the winner would get a bye in the AEW tag title tournament that is coming up. Yes. So my first impressions here, the Dark Order is Evil Uno and Stu Grayson. This is kind of the first time I'm actually seeing this iteration of Dark Order wrestle, I think. Yeah, because they had only really been introduced last pay-per-view, and I think they may have wrestled at either fight. Yeah, they wrestled at Fighter Fest, right? Yeah, they wrestled at one of the other pay-per-views, yeah. but they have their little, like, gimp suit creeper boys, I assume local I no indie idea. wrestlers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, like, this week, low-scoop creatine Kratos has apparently also stolen Vegas mask from Street Fighter. The weird mask that he's wearing. I don't understand this combo of Yeah, things. but Evil Uno gets the human chair of Creepers this time. We have the best friends come out. The crowd yes. likes them. The faces. Chuck Taylor has pink and gray pants. As the match starts, I can kind of see why Uno wears a singlet when he wrestles now, which is, like, absolutely not a dig or, like, trying to body shame him. Big men are awesome wrestlers. Mm-hmm. It's just that wrestling is an image sport, and the way he looks now with just pants and, like, no shirt yeah. does not look very intimidating. Yeah. Um, he's way better with, like, a, that purple singlet he has. Overall, though, I do like this version of Dark Order, which was, like, trying to be a little more serious and a little more vicious, even though they're still doing the gimp masks and the human chair that isn't mm-hmm. really getting over, mm-hmm. to be honest. I do ha- think they have a lot working against them, though. Specifically, the fact that, like, we don't ever learn much about them other than the whole f- them being a cult with numbered members. <laughs> so, like, even still, until the Exalted One comes, the Dark Order just kind of circles yeah. itself. And, and though they are, at the time, they were continuously the most over part of BT. Yeah. all of their segments. But very vague yes. storyline. Yeah. As if reading my mind, though, the crowd starts chanting spooky perverts in the Dark <laughs> Order, which was like... Started by the best friends a few weeks earlier, I think. Yeah, that's accurate. Yeah, I, I felt it was quite appropriate, <laughs> creepy perverts. Yeah. And you know what, Stu Grayson, you know, he, he's short and slim, but he's really fast. And like, and strong. Yeah, even with like the shredded abs, he seems like deceptively strong for his size. He actually has a match with Moxley at some point on Dynamite. Oh. Like way later, oh, way later. But yeah, to, it's actually a really good cover. match. Dark Order is isolating Trent in the ring for the majority of the match here. Dark Order is getting multiple tags on each other to beat up Trent. At one point, Trent is able to pop up on the turnbuckle, and he does land uh, a DDT on Grayson. But tornado DDT. A tornado DDT. Because when they do it on the corner and they spin around, oh, that's called a tornado DDT. Oh, look at that. Learning. <clears throat> yeah. 
but he can't get the tag still. And at this point, Trent seems to be kind of like doing that weird overacting and being like dramatically slow to not get yeah, the tag. Yeah, like the ladder match thing we talked about later where it yeah. like, takes them forever to climb even though they were just doing yeah. running tokes. And it's just, I can't suspend reality at how fucking slow you are right now. Yeah, I agree. He's he's a bit silly. The pacing of this match, though, to your point, is very odd. Because these these guys actually do have chemistry, but this match feels like they were almost told to go out there and like cool off the crowd after all the violence we got in the last match. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because the crowd is recovering from the last match, but it's really it just feels really oddly still. Yeah, it didn't seem like the crowd was excited, and the commentary had to remind me that this match had title. Title, yeah, like the winner gets a buy into the tag title tournament. Like that seems like it should be kind of high stakes, right? And like have a little intensity, but they don't. They don't really seem to have that in this match. It's yeah. just like, okay, it's our turn to get the heat on you. Now it's your turn to get the heat on us. Yeah. It's not again. It's not that they're bad. These are all re- capable wrestlers. They just don't seem to have the urgency. Just a lot of like boots and brawling in the various corners to like isolate a person. Mm-hmm. I do like that Stu gets frustrated at like Trent's continuous kickouts and yells at Uno. That should have been a much snubber cover, a tight hook of the leg. I want him to die! Uh, I'm gonna <laughs> insert that clip here because it's amazing. Chuck does eventually get the tag from Trent, he clears the house. Best friends gain momentum, they're isolating Stu, they're able to clear Evil Uno from the apron. They hit an ace crusher on Grayson for a two count, but then Stu reverses this into, what was the right, move? Right, yeah, so Stu gets dual Irish whipped, and he does a frog jump and a double drop kick. Yeah, a cool. frog jump is, is essentially like the matrix jump where you dodge and land on your back and then kip up immediately. Yeah, yeah. And then does a double drop kick on both of them. Very cool. Stu, like you said, he's, he's very agile, very fast. Stu tags in Uno, and he hits Trent with a cannonball senton bomb, but only gets a two. JR brings up the lax cover where Uno didn't hook the leg. Mm. I, I will say the hooking the leg thing, you and I, when we have watched matches, yeah. I have told you like, oh, this will be a kick out because he didn't, didn't hook the hook leg, leg or he didn't do a hard cover. Sure. Sometimes it is like, oh, I'm just tired and I don't need to cover you like that. So I'm just going to cover you loosely and the commentators can do whatever they want with sure. it. But sometimes it like I will say, I think this is one of the first things I learned about wrestling specifically from JR uh-huh. as a kid, which was like, if you don't hook the leg, it's very unlikely you'll get a pin. Sure. If you want a, a real pin, you hook the legs, you scoop the arms, and you hold them tight. And yeah. if you hook both legs, that's even better, but harder to do. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I really like that he Keeps brought the this. shoulders down. Yeah, I really like that he brought this up here. And whenever JR is like, that's a lax cover. I don't know why he's doing that. That's not going to win <laughs> yeah. the match. Yeah. Great storytelling on the part of the commentators. Yeah, yeah. I really like the Dark Order's Senton 450 combo also. I felt like it should have been the end of the match, to be honest, because I don't really know how Trent kicked out of that. Best friends clear Stu from the ring and pick up Uno for a strong zero, but he's way too heavy. (laughs) He runs Trent right into the turnbuckle Mm -hmm. instead. Mm -hmm. Stu dodges with another frog leap again, but then he gets caught in an awful waffle pile driver, which was very cool. Also, awesome name. I love waffles. Uh, Trent goes for a three, but Uno pulls him out. Then this match finally gets exciting, and suddenly the Creepers start beating on Chuck, throwing him into the stairs. Uno throws Trent into the ring, hitting him with a fatality, which is a gory stretch into a top rope blockbuster from Grayson, and the Dark Order gets the pinfall. Gory stretch, by the way, is created mm. by a Guerrero. Mm, okay. Um, gory Guerrero, which is where he holds him on his back, like with his arms and legs wrapped around his body like that. Uh, you know? okay. yeah, 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 that's a gory yeah, stretch. Yeah. So they get the win, but then they, they beat down the best friends. Axe Caliber says the crowd is incensed. Yes. <laughs> I, honestly, I, I couldn't decide if they were booing her, to be honest. Yeah, it didn't seem that. I, didn't I, seem as excited as you. the commentators were trying to yeah, sell to you. No, but then 
The lights go out. Yes. Um, and when they come back, we have Orange Cassidy in the middle of the ring. And very impressively, Topes the, the gimp creepers with his hands in his pockets, as he is known to do. Yes, absolutely. 2019, Raman says, I don't really know this guy, but the crowd seems to love him. I don't know how I feel about the pockets and the limp thumb thing. The tiny kicks he does, but I guess as long as they don't put a title on him, wrestling can always use a good comedy guy. Oh, <laughs> my hubris. As in 2023, I am an officially a Orange Cassidy mark after his amazing TNT title run. Yeah. Which just ended this weekend. Spoilers. Uh, Jesus. Oh, come on. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, huge Mia Copa for me. I really love Orange Cassidy. I've been completely won over by the gimmick. And the character and his ability. It did take you a while, though. It did. Well, I mean, we'll get to his match with Pac is when he, like, he really reveals himself. Mm. And, and, and that was like, we'll wow, I it. can't even believe this guy yeah. can wrestle like that. My impression of the match, this was the piss break match for me, in my opinion. Sorry. I don't necessarily disagree with you. Like I said, it felt like they were kind of cooling the crowd off. Yeah, it did seem like that. Um, and... Yeah, that's you're moving on. We yeah, get... there's not much to say, honestly. Like, yeah. even even with the bye, like, yeah, but the, that never really gets brought up even after the match. No, ends. no. We do get an ad for Wednesday Night Wrestling starting yes. October 2nd on TNT. Are we tuning in? Oh, of course. You want to yeah. watch AEW? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you guys ready for the best pro wrestling in the world? Rise up for the revolution. A New League Rises, October 2nd on TNT. Well, JR, AEW is going to debut on TNT October 2nd, and also on October 2nd, we will have the first ever All Elite Wrestling Women's World Champion crowned, and it will be either Nyla Rose or one of these two women. Match number five. Yeah, we have Sheeta and Rio. This is the singles women's match. The winner goes on to face Nyla Rose, who won the women's casino battle royale during the pre-show. Yeah. The women's title is featured at the top of the ramp. Raman, you said that it, you think it's dinky. And you know what? I'm going to say the first time, I didn't really have an opinion on it when I looked at it, but then I looked at the current right. women's world exactly. title belt, and I kind of agree as well. Well, and at the time, we were all like, the men's title is this gorgeous thing, and the women's title looks like they picked it out of, like, the WCW when they <laughs> threw the American US title in the trash. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It was really weird. Yeah. But, I mean, they, they, they do fix it fairly quick, but it was weird that, like, this is what they went with. Yeah. First impressions of the entrances. We got Sheeta coming out. She's got this kind of, like, mirrored figure effect that I think is on the screen initially. Yeah. She comes out. She's got a really intense look to her. The commentators at this point tell us she has surpassed her mentor, Emi Sakura, who, of course, we saw at the last tape-review. And then we have Rio. Rio! <laughs> her entrance music just makes me think of DDR and, like, going to the arcades in the 90s and 2000s. Uh, it's just... Ugh, I love it. And she's wearing the silky white jacket with a black sash tie her actual ring gear though is uh really awesome she's got this pink and white skirt shirt combo with all the rio flair that she's known for 
I really like the the pink laces on her boots that carries through. Yeah, you really through. like that. Yeah, yeah, that carries the color through the look. It's super cute. And then, of course, she skips down the ramp all, like, kawaii and, like, ready to get to the ring. I love it. I'm, I'm just so excited for this match, and I want both of them to win. <laughs> the commentators mentioned that at this point she's 22 years old. Yeah, she is still super, super young. That's crazy. The skill level that she has at that age yeah. is insane. Yeah. So, the match starts. Sheeta and Rio have a lot of, like, very immediate chemistry. These women have wrestled mm-hmm. each other many times before. They trade strikes and avoid each other's high-speed maneuvers. Sheeta takes control with, like, a devastating knee strike, her patented knees, mm-hmm. and traps Riho in a brutal-looking Boston Crab, really cranks it back. Riho yeah. is crazy flexible. Yeah, it was cool. Rio is a natural underdog. I like the commentary emphasizing that she's young but incredibly experienced. She's smaller than all the other women. She's shorter than all the other women. She's younger than all the other women, but yeah. probably has as much or not, if not more experience than all of them. Exactly. But you know what? To her size, you know, Sheeta keeps brutalizing her. She's yeah. hanging Rio off the top turnbuckle, crushes her sternum with like a running knee strike. She's delivering like several knee strikes to Rio all over the ring. This is really like a slow and torturous beatdown that Sheeta's delivering. Rio does try to make a comeback, but Sheeta catches her and then attempts to suplex her off the top to the outside. But instead, mm-hmm. Sheeta gets knocked down to the apron and Rio plants all her weight on Sheeta's chest with a double foot stomp. Looked brutal. Like all she's a tiny. I, well, she, I mean, that's not nothing. It's still, yeah, it's Take still. Take that late. on your stomach and yeah. tell me how it feels. No, for sure. Yeah. Rio then goes for a 619, but Sheeta blocks it and gets a stretch muffler. Which is like one of my favorite submission moves that I've I think I've only ever seen like Brock Lesnar. It do. looks really cool. I didn't know what it was, but yeah. it looks really cool. It's a, like and especially like one day I'll show you Brock doing it because the guy's so massive that his neck just like bends steel. <laughs> yeah, like, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> Riho does reverse it for a roll up for two. Yeah, she tries to get some momentum here with a few running strikes, but Sheeta cracks her jaw with yet another knee strike. Both women are down. Crowd's clapping, but we don't have, like, a standing ovation, but I think this is pretty heated at this point. I think the crowd still doesn't really know what to make of the Joshis, Mm. because it's the same sort of slow, like, simmer to a boil that the last one, in the last pay-per-view. Right. But they, I I think at this point, they know they like Riho, and they know they like Sheeta, but they don't know what to make of the wrestling Style of wrestling. Yes. Got it. Because, like, a stretch muffler, you're not going to see that in a women's match. When was the last time you ever saw that? I didn't even know what it was. Exactly, let alone in a women's match, right? Yeah. and she is able to get up at the seven count and get a brain buster on Rio. She resists at first. Sheeta gives her a couple more knee strikes. I love Sheeta's knees. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Such powerful, like, such a powerful woman. Yeah, her strength is really awesome. I wish one day we could see her in Asuka. That match would be insane. That would be so cool. It'll never happen, but Sheeta's strength is awesome. The psychology of this is very clearly, Sheeta has an intensity that mm. cannot be stopped, and Riho has inhuman resilience. Mm-hmm. It is the immovable object in the unstoppable force or whatever, right? And, like, no matter how hard she hits her, Riho will just not stay down and not give up. Riho is a little desperate, though, at this point, and goes for a series of roll-ups and schoolboys trying to sneak one on Sheeta. Sheeta blocks her, though, and when Riho is on the apron, Sheeta does what I call the Suzaro suplex, which is where she's standing on the middle turnbuckle and suplexes Sheeta from the apron into the ring. Which is something that Cesaro used to do a lot. Okay. Though Cesaro would often do it where the guy was standing on the floor and he would grab because he's so big, right? Right. That makes sense. His reach was so intense that he would just do it off the floor into Into the ring. Into the ring. Yeah. Wow. I love Claudio. So that's why you called it a Cesaro suplex then? Yeah. Yeah. 
JR is saying now that, you know, maybe she just can't take out Rio. You know, she's got too much resilience. Uh, I can't do a, a JR impression. She's too resilient. There you go. Uh, but just as he says that, Rio reverses Sheeta and hits a Northern Light suplex. Very good. Very good. No, for you. I oh, know. it was good yeah. for me. Yes. And yes. good for, for Rio. Sheeta and Rio are fighting back on the top turn buckle, but Sheeta slips and gets her legs trapped in the middle buckle, giving Rio a chance to get another double stomp, followed by a devastating knee strike, but only a two count. I also like that they actually kind of kayfabed why Riho would be like holding on to mm-hmm. the turnbuckle because she slipped, so it's like yeah. an instinct, yeah. and then gets the double stomp. Sometimes that double stomp is a bit contrived where mm. the guy is just sort of like laying there, looking up, waiting to be stomped. Yeah. I really like that in this case. And then Sheeta hits Riho with another huge backbreaker, but Riho kicks out for two again. Yeah, and now the crowd's giving this well-deserved little applause break. And we are nearing the end of the match, and my notes say, ramen to explain this final sequence. (laughs) Right. Because it happens so smoothly and beautifully, and I was way too into the match itself. (laughs) Sure. So the final sequence comes when Sheeta goes for what looks like a Michinoku driver, but Riho rolls through for another near fall. Then Riho ducks a clothesline and grabs Shida's hips to roll her on her back again, but this time Shida does a full rotation and tries to kick Riho's head right off. Riho ducks, runs the ropes, ducks another lariat attempt, then does a cool like tilt-a-whirl around Shida, getting her in a high-stack roll-up for the three and our new women's AEW champion. Rio wins! What an exciting match. I I, agree. I loved loved this match. There I loved all of the spots, the pacing, and I'm just a fucking mark for both of these wrestlers. Like Absolutely. this is the match of the night so far for me. No no shade to Kenny. No, not at all. Pac, but this was a great match. Yeah. This, these two have absolute chemistry. It was super, super good. Um, I do think Sheeta was the stronger uh standout for me, which I um agree. Again, it's very exciting because that means that their feud is only going to get, like, more heated. Yep. So, yep, like, I agree. tune into Dynamite. <laughs> so, you're so ridiculous. I oh, love it. what are your thoughts? I love it. No, I, I think this is an awesome match. In 2019, I absolutely did not give this the time it deserved. Like, I can for real admit to that. I didn't know who either of these women were. And I also wasn't taking notes, <laughs> right? But in 2023, like, looking back, this match reminds me of why we're doing this podcast. Yeah. You said that earlier about a previous match. that th- These women did that for me. There was so much well-crafted and intricate storytelling with, like, every move, every sequence. And that final sequence was really exhilarating because mm-hmm. it, it didn't end in, like, a big spot or a huge power move it was these two women just outsmarting each other and just trying to get that quick victory because all that really matters is the title i really really enjoyed this match on to the match i did not enjoy (laughs) sean spears versus cody rhodes yeah he could potentially be a player coach eventually a coach Um, freaking great for the young guys and he's a great hand so i'm happy with it And he's a great hand. You guys are like brothers. We were. He forgot that I sat at the table for Thanksgiving dinner. He's forgotten who he was. That blood that I saw pooling out of the back of his head may as well have been a mirror into your future. The 
greatest battles and wars in history weren't won with the biggest weapons. They were won with the greatest minds. Only one person can stay. pay-per-view is this storyline from? Tell me what's going on here. Yeah, so Sean Spears and Cody are friends, and Cody was quoted as saying, Sean Spears, you know, he's a great wrestler. Maybe one day he'll make an excellent coach. And I guess Sean took that oh. personally in kayfabe. And I believe it was Fighter Fest that we talked about earlier, where Cody and Dustin were facing the Young Bucks. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the match, Sean Spears came out and... <sighs> okay, so Sean Spears comes out and he chair shots Cody in the face. Uh -huh. Now, what was supposed to happen, apparently? Like, he was supposed to hit Cody with the, like, seat part of the chair, right. which was gimmicked. Uh -huh. What happened was he aimed a little short, so Cody's head hits the tip of the ch seated part, and then the, like, I don't know what that, the back of yeah. the seat yeah. just back gets clung, like, digs into Cody's head, uh -huh. so when he, so when Sean pulls the chair back, there's this giant fucking gash yeah. in Cody's head. It's ridiculous. And I fucking incensed that they would even do this. Mm -hmm. That Cody would fucking do this spot. This god I have in our notes this goddamn motherfucking irresponsible chair shot. Yeah. At the time, crazy irresponsible. Seeing it again, I'm even more furious yeah. that they did this. Just with the with everything that's come out with head injuries and Yeah, like back to what we were what I was saying before yeah. that like like, fucking Mick Foley, again, there are days when the guy doesn't, like, remember things he should mm -hmm. remember. You know, like, with his match with The Rock, he got hit 12 times in the head with a chair. Like, yeah. this is unacceptable in 2019, in my opinion. Yeah. Unacceptable. And I have, honestly, I, like, I really like Cody Rhodes as a wrestler. I don't know how I feel about him as a person, but mm -hmm. I do think he is these moments of incredible irresponsibility. Mm -hmm. This... Match? Recklessness. Recklessness. This... You know better in 2019 in terms of your health as a Headshots. How many people, how many of your father's friends have concussions where they don't remember shit? That and the Hell in the Cell match where he had a ruptured pectoral muscle and he wrestled mm -hmm. a Hell in the Cell match where when he took off, like, the crowd is all hype because it's Cody and Seth. Yeah. And then he takes off the jacket yeah. and the entire, I showed you this, the entire crowd goes silent. Yeah. It's unacceptable. The man is unfucking believably irresponsible when he wants to be, when he can justify to himself. I'm grateful that AEW doesn't do this. This was like their only attempt at this, really. They do. And didn't they get some backlash in oh, 2019? Oh, they got tons of it. So, got, like, yeah. I think that this was like a, okay, guys. But they never should have let him do it. Yeah. But, right? you know, even in 2019, I'm sure people were saying, as you're saying now, they should know better. They should. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, that's the thing. They have chair shots now mm -hmm. and, like, gross John Moxley fetish shit. <laughs> but, like, somehow none of that feels anywhere. Don't shame people. I'm not shaming him. I'm saying they have it. But none of that feels anywhere as salacious and as irresponsible as the. Moving on. 
Moving on. Fuck it. Do you need? Should we take a little meditation break? (laughs) No, we can. We can go. (laughs) I'm in a real mood this episode. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So my first impression. Sure. We have Sean Spears. He's got great entrance music. Agreed. As hip hop heads, we are both big fans of that. Um, he's got like a frost monster look going on, complete with like the white contacts. I think they're silly. Like I really felt like it made him seem like his pre-match hype (laughs) up was to watch anime. (laughs) I thought they were cool. And then he comes out with Tully Blanchard. Yeah. And you know what? I I had it's no okay. idea right. who he was when his name to. was said. I feel very embarrassed to publicly admit this in hindsight, as he was one of the OG four horsemen in the NWA. Yep. Along with Ric Flair and Arn and Ole Anderson of the House of Anderson, no actual relation. Yes. So I'm really showing my ignorant, know-nothing ass right now. Oh, whatever. But you know what? There might also be people listening who want the rundown on Tully Blanchard. So I did a little... A little... Look at you. It's a mild deep dive. Using your research skills. Plunging a little bit. Using your degree skills. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Got some brains up in here. Tully Blanchard is the son of Jolton Joe Blanchard, Mm. uh, an American athlete who couldn't make it in the NFL, so he went to the CFL. It's like 90% of wrestlers. And nobody wants to be there, so eventually (laughs) he found Stampede Wrestling out of Calgary. So Tully was born in Calgary while his dad was wrestling there, Um, so he's Canadian and American. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Interesting. Tully was in the wrestling business at a really young age, started wrestling in the 1970s. When they barely told people that it was a work. Yeah, into the (laughs) 80s and 90s, as I mentioned, most famous for wrestling in the NWA as part of the Four Horsemen. And then he and Arn Anderson left NWA for the WWF in 1988 debuted i believe at survivor series the brain busters yeah they continued as a tag team so they were two-time tag team champs really in, i didn't know they actually won in nwa yeah in 87 and 88 oh, oh and in nwa sorry yeah okay. and they wanted money they wanted more money and of then course. they left right? right um and then they went to the wwf under the brain busters and they did become the wwf tag team champs for about two and a half months in the summer of 1989 89 two months in 89 is a lot a long yeah time for a yeah title. and then um tully blanchard tested positive for cocaine in the fall of 1989 which meant, how did Hulk Hogan not yeah I don't you know seen those promos I don't <laughs> like, know uh, so yeah he tested positive for cocaine sometime in the fall of 89 which sure. meant that the card for Survivor Series I feel like being tested positive for cocaine should be called the fall of 89 <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he did fuck up the card for Survivor Series. Um, That happened November 23rd. As if anyone cares about Survivor Series. I mean, it's apparently, it's uh, it's, as we Canadians call, second Thanksgiving. It is, yes. Um, Yes. The Brain Busters' last match aired two days later on main event, and they they lost to the Rockers, and then no promotion wanted to hire Tully Blanchard because he tested positive. That's so crazy, of all the things. Yeah, Arn Anderson did go back to NWA. Tully did work as a producer briefly with the WWE in the 2000s. Oh, interesting. Uh, so he's, obviously he's had some associations with the WWE as part of the Four Horsemen over the years. You know, uh, WWE knows money when they see it, so people love that nostalgic shit. They're, they're buying Four Horsemen stuff. I watched a video of Blanchard... Oh, my God, the Terry Funk. Wrestling Terry Funk, R.I.P., 
at WCW Slamboree in 1994. Wait, you watched the match? Yeah. Oh, wow. I'm very impressed. Yeah. And they had guest commentator Gordon Soley. Oh, boy. Who is the voice of 20th century professional wrestling. And who trained JR. Yeah. He actually sounds fucking great. He, JR um, still thinks Gordon Soley was the best ever. They, yeah. No, he's like the Walter Cronkite of, I've never of heard wrestling him. commentary. I've never heard him. I want to watch this match yeah. now. But yeah, the match ends in a double DQ. Blanchard hits the ref. Terry Funk elbow drops. And straw hat afterwards. It was fucking weird times, man. He like, would. 1994. Yeah. Because um, only Tully was doing coke. <laughs> yeah, right? Like... And Blanchard won a match against Stan Lane at the Heroes of Wrestling pay-per-view in 1999. So I just love the idea that I came over today to prep for this and you were like, I watched Heroes of Wrestling. And I was no, like, No, I didn't watch Okay, all right, no, fair. You didn't, but you watched parts of I was in a, I was in a rabbit hole. You were. I was very deep in a rabbit hole. Wrestling fans <laughs> universally agree that this was the worst professional wrestling event pay per view ever. ever. Yeah. Like actual like, Firefest. Yeah, the actual Firefest <laughs> of the wrestling world. <laughs> You know what? Thank you to everybody who did the recap videos and articles about <laughs> Heroes of Wrestling. Like, what a fucking train wreck rabbit hole. Like, it was a, just a great afternoon. I loved it. <laughs> it's a Thank great you. afternoon. <laughs> Anyways, Tully Blanchard. Right, yes. Where were we? <laughs> Hardcore wrestling um, legend in the industry. You know, he seems like a very charismatic kind of ringside personality guy. Yeah. So. I guess in, in this context, manager? Manager. So he he's the exclusive license. manager of, of Sean Spear, or executive manager or something like that. All right, let's just get into this. So, because <laughs> I got so many problems with this match in general. This Nightmare Family Star Trek shit. So the whole Nightmare Family comes out. They do, like, they're all walking from the back to the ring. Mm-hmm. First, it's Cody, and he comes out. No, it isn't first Cody. I think it's DDP or Brandy. Brandy is dressed as Seven of Nine from Star Trek Voyager. DDP comes out in, like, a red shirt, which is usually the people who just, like, die. The nameless guys who die in Star Mm. Trek are red shirts. I don't watch a lot of Star Trek. Is this telling a story? I mean, it is kind of. Cody is Picard, I guess. Mm. But, like, I think the idea is, oh, this is, the Nightfair family is, like, a crew. We're, like, a team. This is my Starship crew or whatever. Okay. Because Cody and Shivani are both, like, huge, massive Trekkies. Okay, well. But honestly, like, Sean Spears almost genuinely ended Cody's career in kayfabe and shoot and Cody's coming out as, like, Picard, I guess? Like, what is this? Not not even what, like, does it tell a story? What is mm-hmm. this supposed to evoke? Mm-hmm. Am I supposed to feel like you're strong here because you have all of these, like, nerds with you? I don't understand what this <laughs> is supposed family. to mean. It's about family. Yeah, then why doesn't he come up bald like Vin Diesel? Like, that would be more, like, fuggly than, than whatever the <laughs> fuck this is. Anyways, back to the match. Fucking DDP, or my first impressions, anyways. Joe, we're, yeah. we're never going to get to this match. Good. I don't want to. DDP looking fresh off a below-the-belt <laughs> yoga <Christ>. session. <laughs> How'd you feel about your below-the-belt this week, I, Robin? Honestly, I did do a below-the-belt this week, and it kicked my ass. It yeah. was great. I'm excited to do one tomorrow morning. Yeah. But I can only quickly plug that, because why is their dog part of the entrance? Oh, my God. With the loud noises and the pyros. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, I know I talked a lot about Tully Blanchard, you, you but not, I have a little... You're not the only person to be mad about I know. This. I know. And I, you know what? I've never owned a dog, but I know a lot of people who own dogs. I know their dogs. I foster dogs. Yeah, like I know dogs, man. They're spooked by loud noises like fireworks, sirens, lightning. Um, you know, yeah, you said, I w- you know, I'm not the only person. You said that in 2019 people were like rightfully pissed that they came out with Pharaoh. Who... Apparently... 
yeah, you you have it here that Cody said that the, yeah. the pirate wasn't supposed to go off. It wasn't off, supposed to go but off. But it's still, like, again, irresponsible. Like, man. yeah, and again, in my opinion, I think, like, a loud pay-per-view event, like, even for a well-trained dog, which Pharaoh, like, very clearly is. Yeah. Yeah, like, he could have just, Pharaoh could have been, like, a nice good boy in the locker room instead of making a public appearance. Like, I, I found it really distracting, even if it was an accident that the pyro wasn't supposed to go off. It was, no, I, I, it I, was I, distressing to me as an, a lover of animals. Absolutely, no, I think it was ridiculous. So, anyway. Is the match starts. Cody, thankfully, does not start this match with a lockup. Before it even starts, Cody just dives on top of Spears, and they brawl into the fans as Cody basks in the crowd's love. Mm-hmm. I really like that. I've I've mentioned before to you in private that like I really hate when blood feud matches start with like a rock up or like a fucking test of strength or some shit like that. It's like you guys hate each other. Yeah. We tried to kill you. Yeah. You should be wanting And the to crowd kill. is like, fuck him up, Cody. Like and yeah. then at some point the bell finally rings. Yeah. The bell rings as they like roll into the ring and then, and then uh, they roll right back yeah, out. Yeah, immediately go back outside <laughs> yeah. to the ring and Cody gives Spears a power slam. Cody gets low-blowed while MJF... I forgot to mention that MJF right, yeah. came well, out. Yes, he was part of the Nightmare I, family. Point. I got distracted by the dog. Yes, so at this point, MJF is part of the Nightmare family, and in BTE, he when to Cody's face, he's pretending that he's like Cody's best friend, and right. then around everyone else, he's a huge <laughs> asshole. <laughs> Classic Classic MJF. MJF. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. MJF accidentally distracts the ref, and Cody gets low-blowed. And then Spears brings Cody into the ring and slows things down, kind of taking control. Really trying to take control. It doesn't last long, though. Cody gets a Frankensteiner on Spears, which is when you do a Hurricane Rana off the top rope. Mm. Scott Steiner used to do it, so they call it Frankenstein. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Before he can gain momentum, though, Cody gets hung upside down on the top rope and then gets a boot in the temple. Owie. Oof, that honestly looked like it hurt. Uh Like, I will say, these two have good chemistry together. More brawling, though. Like, they go back outside, more just, like, crowd Mm -hmm. fighting, more, like, Mm 1999ing. Cody gets crotched on the outside ring post, which is, like, as if Cody can't, like, close his legs. Like, it's this is such a weird throwback match. Yeah. I do like the intensity, but the content of the match itself is just kind of flat. I may be distracted by, like, my distaste for the setup of this match, too, because the stakes of uh, it are really annoying. Yeah, we've just been real bi- bitter about that. Like, maybe we're kind of biased. <laughs> I mean, I am, but it's also, like, the content of this match is, like, bawling on the outside for, like, a long time. The crowd it's... seems really excited about it, though. I think because they they like the stakes of the match. You know, yeah. like, it, you know, blood, for whatever I think about it, yeah, they get that gets crowds. Yeah, and then Spears... And Cody still has a lot of empathy at this point. Sorry. Yeah, Spears spits on Cody's probably very sweaty weight belt. <laughs> yeah. um, but at least your, he doesn't lick it. Your boy, Earl Hebner. Oh, don't call him that. Oh, okay. He's not my boy. Um, he's not allowed to... <laughs> How dare you? The ref stops him from using the belt on Cody, threatening sure. to disqualify him or... <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> or so much don't make me sell your t-shirt that doesn't exist yet. You're making... As soon as they do that design, I'm taking it out back. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, there's still, like, the disrespect to Cody by spitting on his sure, gear and yeah. shit, right? So, and then Tully, my boy Tully Blanchard, sneakily gives Spears, like, a little leather belt. And then he hits Cody with it. In front like, of the ref. Yeah, Earl Hebner doesn't seem to care about this belt. No, at all. Like, I wonder if the DQ rule has, like, a subclause related to belt whips. I, I don't know the, the full yeah. rules of this yeah. kayfabe jurisdiction to, <laughs> to comment on that. So weird. Earl's like, don't you do that weight belt. That one's fine, though. Yeah, yeah. But I Cody, won't sell your t-shirts for that one. Cody does make his inevitable comeback. He gives Spears a Cody cutter. Yes, Cody That's cutter. That's what they call it. The springboard one, yeah. 
and an Alabama slam. And he puts on a figure four, but Spears reverses it. Yes. I'm a big fan of the reversal of the figure four where you can just like roll the guy over yeah, and it reverses it's the real pressure. Graceful looking. Especially for a move that actually hurts. It's a really cool like technique to yeah. do. I like that. Yeah. And then we see MJF again outside of the ring being the worst best friend ever. <laughs> Um, distracting or the, the best wor- worst friend ever the best worst friend but he's trying to be his best friend so he's the worst best friend ah, fair distracting the ref to, to Cody's detriment of course yes there is a really long breather here as both men are down on the outside Spears rolls into the ring and the ref counts to 9.85 before Cody rolls in I honestly, I feel like that whole, that spot is so contrived. Mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of Maybe any, need to break. I'm not a fan of anyone doing it. Like, not them. It's just like, can we find another way to, like, have, have stakes? Mm-hmm. Other mm-hmm. than, like, oh, I gotta beat the nine count always at nine. Record scratch. Insert JR saying, kiss your sister. At this point, I got very distracted trying to understand why JR continues to insist <laughs> on using this metaphor that no one understands. He has been saying this kiss your sister tap situation since like 1989 and i've never understood what that means did you look up what it means no i wanted to and then i didn't want that on my google <laughs> records so i just didn't not even on, my, on Incognito, i didn't want my you, i didn't want to know what my youtube algorithm would do if with that yeah. information yeah um, don't even want the cookies from incognito mode no suddenly though cody hits a crossroads and i'm paying attention again woo woo Outside the ring, Tully and MJF are squaring off. Um, MJF folds his scarf that he, his famous Burberry scarf. Yes, throws, the beautiful Burberry. Yeah, throws it at Tully, who chokes him out with the scarf. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and then uh, Spears kicks MJF in the face. It's Arn Anderson. Yeah, I actually, I did recognize this guy when he came out. Legend. I understood that reference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's also currently listed as one of the coaches on the AEW roster. Mm-hmm. And then obviously with my research on Tully Blanchard, like this whole spot seems so much more significant. Holy fuck. <laughs> it didn't at the time no, when I was no. watching it the first time around. And what this tells me is that AEW at this point in time had the interest of wrestling legends who have been in the business for like most of their lifetime. And so like that's a significant message that they're sending to viewers who are fans of old school wrestling who might be seeing this for the first time. And that's a fucking strong message to Yeah, that like these guys are going to, like their influence and knowledge is going to be a part of our show. Yeah. Spears gets the AA spine buster from Arn. The crowd goes alive for like all of five minutes for the Arn Arn Anderson spot. But that's enough fun. Back to this overlong match. Oh, Oh, good. A chair has come into play. Yeah, we know how you feel about those chairs. So it's Spears that takes out the chair. Yeah, Cody takes it from Spears and throws it down, opting instead to give him a disaster kick into the chair (laughs) and a crossroads for three, and Cody wins without playing dirty. Yeah. This match was honestly just like all right. It was a hot start. Mm-hmm. It was a dreadful middle and like a drip feed finale that was both the right ending and still kind of a really flat one. Cody has much better matches and stories in AEW, but this is not an auspicious start for his AEW career, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I agree. It was it was all right. Actually, what had me more excited were the ancillary yes. players. Telly Blanchard, MJF, Arn Anderson... Like, what did Sean Spears gain from this match? Nothing, really. And that's and that's the thing. Like, I want to kind of talk about Sean Spears right now because where... Because so Sean Spears was in WWE developmental, like, mm-hmm. really, really long time oh, wow. before he debuted in NXT. Mm-hmm. And his NXT gimmick was the perfect 10. And he would come out flashing his both of his hands, like... Sure. And it was super over. 
like immediately over, especially for NXT where you're wrestling in front of almost the same crowd every week. Yeah. Because it's in Florida. And so they get to know you and they get to personalize you. Yeah. It's kind of like going to an indie show. He was so over with the Perfect 10 gimmick, and he's an incredible wrestler when he's given the opportunity. But WWE just never really saw it in him. When he gets pushed to the main roster, they completely drop him. And How com- long did he wrestle on the main roster for? Not very long. Like, it, a blip. It was honestly a blip. So he leaves, and he comes here, and I was very excited for Sean Spears to get an opportunity in a different company where he doesn't have all that baggage and all that history mm-hmm. and developmental and the Perfect 10 gimmick, even though he has a 10 on his scarf. Like, it's more of a reference than it is, like, this is still who I am. Yeah, yeah. So, to be honest, it's a great question of what did he gain from this match, because I don't think he really gained much of anything. I don't think he gained much from the buildup, because the chair shot was botched. Yeah. To the point where I can't think about anything else in this match. And I think a lot of people share that. Yeah, and he didn't really get to perform here, because it's mostly a walk and brawl. He didn't really do anything spectacular or really show off his psychology or really who he is. So I don't really know what he gains from this. I don't really know what Cody gains from this. Do we see them wrestling? And like, where does Sean Spears go after this? He's, mm. he, he stays with Tully for a while. He continues the chairman gimmick. And then he gets uh, incorporated into MJF's group for a, quite a while. And then he gets injured. And so now he's kind of back okay. from that. Yeah, they don't do a lot with him, but he still gets more than he did in WWE. But he's never really, still isn't really presented as like a main player. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's a travesty. Next up, the Escalera de la Muerte. Bucks versus Lucha Bros in a ladder death match. Our goal, our main objective, is to give you fans the best tag team division in the world. The Young Bucks versus Lucha Bros is definitely one of our greatest rivalries ever. Uh, you can just feel it. Like when we're in the ring with these guys, it's it's just unique. It's special. What about? In Chicago, Illinois, all out ladder match. In the escalera de la muerte. We were always the guys who brought the ladders into the ring. And for me, it's like, who do these guys think they are? They think they're taking our spot? We've been doing this long enough. It's like, no, 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 this is still ours. We feel like we've been the best tag team for the last five to 10 years. So we're not going to give it up. And we're not going to give it up easily. So far, it's all kind of culminating into the Escalera de la Muerte ladder match that we're about to have. And whoever wins this one could declare that they're the best tag team in the world. Lucha Bros, we'll see if your whole catchphrase thing is the truth when you're standing at the top of a 12-foot ladder in the middle of the ring and you're staring down. Are you really fearless? Is it Zeo Miedo or is it Zeo Huevos? I got big balls. Do you? I will say I absolutely love ladder matches. They are my favorite match type, going all the way back to Shawn Michaels versus Razor Ramon, which I still think is a fantastic match that absolutely holds up. 
they were still trying to figure out how to use ladders, so they're using mm-hmm. it as a weapon for most of the match. Mm-hmm. It's fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. JR says this match is simple to understand. Agreed. It will be fucking difficult to discuss <laughs> in this in this review. Yeah. But I am, and I was, very excited for Callie to see this. This was going to blow her mind. It did. Yeah. It did. And they have a much better version of this in Dynamite later on. I cannot wait. It's so good. So my first impressions here, we have the Lucha Bros, Sick Gear, Sick Entrance song. I love their entrance music. Yeah, and Penta's got this like blue-black gear thing going on. It's looking really slick. I love it. The Young Bucks come out in buck masks, which is, I think, kind of a a mind game thing. Kind of a heel gimmick. We're going to hunt you. We're going to hunt you down, you know, because the Lucha Bros obviously wear Lucha masks, so the Bucks have these masks. I just, it feels kind of like that, too. So, the match starts, and we have Cero Miedo versus Cero Huevos. I've got big balls. Do you? You have Cero Huevos. You have Cero Huevos. (laughs) I think we established that. That's true. I do have Cero Huevos (laughs) and also Cero Miedo. It's it's classic trolling, but Yes, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And And the Lucha Bros. Yeah. They're both just like, we're not afraid of you. And yeah. then once the Bucks spit at the Lucha Bros, it's on! Yes. Uh, as with the last tag match we covered with these guys, we're just going to list off spots because this match is like fast and intense. And yes, it's about family. <laughs> Bucks try to hit a Meltzer driver on Phoenix like right off the jump, but the Lucha Bros stifle the attempt at the opening momentum and give Matt a powerbomb followed by a tailbone dropkick by Penta. Ooh, is this? It looked like Penta was kicking Matt in the huevos. I mean, it is, it is no DQ, so... <laughs> The Lucha Bros go for stereo topes on the outside, but they run headfirst into a ladder held up by the Bucks. Looked brutal. Mm-hmm. Then they repay Phoenix with their own Buckle Bomb and Zagiri combo, or I think Gaman Giri combo, then do a diving stomp for a good measure. As Penta and the Bucks fight on the outside, Phoenix jumps out onto the top rope and then leapfrogs a very tall ladder mm-hmm. to the outside, knocking down all the competitors. It was such a cool spot. I remember when I watched this, I thought, like, this was the first one I've seen in a long time that didn't feel like it was trying to recapture that magic, Mm, you know? mm -hmm. Like, these teams have their own story to tell here. The brutality of this match can't be overstated. They really go for everything, and they're doing stuff that, it's not stuff I haven't seen necessarily, but it feels more like the spots are about their characters rather than let's do a crazy ladder. Yeah, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. At this point, the Lucha Bros start to take control and finally bring ladders into the ring. Just to give you folks an idea of how hard this was to cover for us, because, like, we're not, this is not what we do. Here's everything that happened in a single minute of this match, okay? At 2.48, like the mass match where I said Nick and Phoenix tend to mirror each other, they each gain wrist control of the other's teammate, climbing up to the top turnbuckle, walking along the top rope, And then when they're both in the middle, across from each other, they both simultaneously jump onto a ladder set up in the middle of the ring. This gets the first applause break. Yeah. And like time and time again, these two teams, it's just the story is symmetry. Nick and Phoenix land cutters on the older brothers. They exchange blows and kicks on the apron. And then Penta and Matt are able to spear the younger brothers off the apron through a table. It's fucking brutal and amazing. And this gets like rightful, holy, holy shit, shit chance. chance. Yeah. yeah. And then inside the ring, yes. like, that's not yeah, all, yeah. that's not everything. Inside <laughs> the ring. Meanwhile. Yeah, Matt catches Phoenix off the top rope and hits locomotion Northern Light suplexes. Finishing, I think, the third suplex, he throws Phoenix right into the corner ladder. 
But of course, Phoenix, he has too much fight in him. You know, he got to springboard her Karana on Nick right into the ladder. A-E-Dub, A-E-Dub, A-E-Dub. They do cut to a woman in the crowd who is in like utter shock at what she's seeing. She's like legit has her hands over her mouth. Yeah, it could have been me. Yeah, It could have been me that they cut to. The crowd's full on cheering for the Lucha Bros too. And I love to see it. Oh my gosh. The Lucha Bros set up a ladder in the ring, but the Bucks interfere. Nick gets Phoenix off the ladder, gives him what you call the gorilla press drop as yeah. he runs under the ladder, and then he spears Penta. Again, this is like the Crazy. fast pace that we're seeing here. Yeah, uh, Matt and Penta square off on the top of the ladder, but Penta hits a fucking sling blade off the ladder. The crowd was going wild. Yeah, now another full minute of intensity. Nick whips Penta into the ladder, who once again slides under it to yeah. the outside, but Nick follows him, running under the ladder and jumping over the top rope to hit Penta with a somersault plancha fucking amazing Mm -hmm. at this point the ladder has been removed so close to the apron where phoenix is fighting matt before using the ropes to launch himself into the ring through the ladder and onto matt connecting with just an amazing mexican destroyer fucking crazy moves and then this is what i was saying of like it's not necessarily things i've never seen though they are like spectacular Mm -hmm. but they're things that the only these guys could do yeah right it's about them not the ladders and i love that yeah yeah and the, cl- the crowd loves it, too. Oh, absolutely, yeah. This was, like, the biggest applause break of the night, I think. <laughs> JR starts bringing up food again, though, saying the crowd is <laughs> eating this up like good barbecue sauce. I know he's getting into the match, so he must actually be hungry. The next minute of this match is, mercifully, spent setting up tables. Yeah, for family dinner, of course. <laughs> like, bring me the biscuits. What is with you and these biscuits? <laughs> yeah, we get a little we get a little breather. Mm-hmm. But not for long, though, because Phoenix puts Matt onto a table in the center of the ring. And then he climbs up a ladder that he set up in the corner. But Matt is, like, follows him right up. Phoenix fights Matt's attempt at a superplex. Penta starts to climb the ladder and gives him a destroyer off the ladder through the table. Oh my god. I remember at this point in 2019, I was rewinding this spot multiple times to try and understand how Matt did not literally neck himself doing that spot. Because really, he doesn't hit the table at all. If you really look at it, it's all Penta hitting the table. Yeah. By the time they land on the table, Matt's flipped out already. Yeah. It's great. It's such an amazing, like the trust that these guys have. It's so, I know, right? And then, by sheer force of destiny, (laughs) (laughs) Nick and Phoenix put Penta and Matt, respectively, onto tables on the outside, simultaneously fly off the ladders to their opponents below. Like, they refuse to let the other team have physical or mental advantage over them at this point. Yeah, over either team. It's amazing. Eventually, we get two of the gnarliest botches, I think, in this entire pay-per-view. It's pretty brutal, but I don't... This really is one of those things that could just happen to anybody. It's not inherently sort of reckless, like hitting someone over the head with something. Yeah. So Nick is standing at the top of a ladder in the ring trying to reach the titles when Penta tips the ladder over. What I think was meant to happen was that Nick was meant to either fall off the ladder onto the two tables set up on the rampway, Mm. or he was supposed to like use his foot to brace himself on the top rope before he falls. Yeah. What does happen, though, is I think the ladder was just a little too far away from from the rope like off center of the ring because when Nick is falling, his ankles hit the top rope and he comes fucking crashing down on the first table Mm -hmm. and his head barely misses the edge of the second table. Like, I don't know how to convey how scary this was. Yeah, we had to rewound that a couple of times. Yeah. And then even worse, Penta and Matt try a very similar spot in the ring where Matt is on the ladder and he unmasks Penta, which you gasped at. At this point, I was like, (gasps) 
I don't even think I have... I can't remember taking notes for this. No, you didn't. When, as soon as the mask came off, you were like, what is happening? Yeah. How dare he? Yeah, I uh, you were. Yeah, so he takes Penta's mask off, and then Penta still tips the ladder over, but instead of Matt going to the outside of the ring, because clearly there's no tables or anything, yeah. he twists inwards, like towards the ring, and by doing that, he falls right in between the gap of the ladder legs, and his head, like the back of his head, cracks that ladder. Yeah. To the point where, like, Phoenix actually crawls over to him to check on him. You yeah. can see it. It's very sweet. Yeah. And I think you you had noted that Excalibur seemed also genuinely concerned. Yeah, his, his expression of shock was like, that was shoot. Yeah. But, you know, the match goes on. Penta gives Matt a package driver dropkick combo onto an aproned ladder fucking like these guys are just like all right like, next spot yeah let's just keep going yeah and i mean both the bucks are out of the ring at this point lucha bros slow cr- climb and they win they got the titles absolutely the right decision yeah and for the last again the last third of this match i hardly took notes like i was so into the storytelling of this match so happy the lucha bros are winning i yeah. fucking love the lucha brothers it's just so fucking good then two masked men show up who are wearing like these masks that, that are, I think they're a reference to Point Break for anyone who's seen that. It's a heist movie and they wear like dead president masks. Mm-hmm. And they start attacking the Young Bucks, which is fine with me. Just leave the, my tag team champions alone, it says in Callie's notes. <laughs> it's true. I was like, I think they did beat on the Lucha Brothers Yeah, they a bit, did but afterwards, The, the yes. Young Bucks got the brunt of it, and I was like, let the let the Lucha Brothers enjoy their win. <laughs> but the mask comes off, and it's Santana and Ortiz of LAX, uh, who Callie doesn't know much of, but nope. I remember at the time being very excited because I fucking love LAX. Where's Hernandez is what I want to say. I will show you some Hernandez later. That guy's my boy. Yeah, the crowd, the crowd's excited, so I'm excited to yeah. see what you have in store for me. Santana and Ortiz decimate both teams and leave them laying. The crowd pops for them, and the tag division has a lot of steam. Yeah, that was a really exciting match. Yes. I can't believe that isn't our main event. No, I know. I can't believe they had another match after that. <laughs> and actually, our main event is pretty exciting. It's we true. Have Hangman Page versus Chris Jericho. Hangman Adam Page, a foundational piece of all elite wrestling. I will be the first all elite wrestling champion. Die! What the hell? Oh. Hangman oh. Page. Wait a second. It's Chris Jericho. We knew he was going to be here, but certainly not in this form. I'm looking at the blood of Hangman Page on my hand right here, right now. I am going to prove that if it wasn't for me, AEW wouldn't exist. And more importantly, I am going to prove, like I did tonight, that the Hangman is nothing more than a little Oh, there's a Hangman, Adam Page. Exploding his wrath on Chris Jericho. I have to win. I have to win. I have to win. I have to win. Because if I don't win, the legend of Chris Jericho ends at All Out. So Chris Jericho, you want your big thank you. I'm going to give it to you, Chris. Thank you for making me feel for the first time in months that I truly had to fight. Thank you for making me feel alive. Thank you for this. Because when I looked at this and I saw it in the mirror this morning, I realized I don't want this to heal. I don't want the bruise to fade. I don't want the cut to close. I want to pull the stitches out of my eye because I want it to bleed. 
I want to feel it! And I will walk out of Chicago. The new and very first AEW champion. And once again, change the universe. You're welcome. So there is a pre-match promo clip here. Yes. Jericho has still been on his tear of demanding thank yous. Mm-hmm. And he still hadn't gotten them. And he says that he needs to win the title for his, his legacy to continue and for him to get his thank you. Hangman, on the other hand, is telling Jericho, thank you for coming after me, for giving me this these stitches in my eye, for reminding me what it's like to feel you know, my own blood and to feel the intensity that I need for this match because it is the, about the world title yeah. and I need to win. It's intense, like rightfully so, but like Hangman's being a little extra, like pulling on his stitches and, and stuff like that. It's a little weird, but... I don't know. I get it. I, I hear what you're saying. I do. But I, for me, it was like the right amount. The right amount of intensity? <clears throat> yeah. Well, because he didn't go overboard, you know, to me, like he's just doing a promo and being like, you're making me feel that intensity that I need. Yeah. Yeah. So. No, it's an appropriate promo for, sure. for a main event uh, title match here. So we have Hangman's entrance. Yes. Uh, Hangman enters dressed as a horse stacked on top of a much smaller horse. <laughs> well, he wasn't dressed as a horse. He is a yes, horse, he is according a horse to MJF. Yes. So. so back to Double or Nothing review, if you haven't heard it yet. <laughs> um, the crowd does love Hangman here, and I don't think that love for him has ever really died down. I know, I think right? he's still one of the most over guys in the company, despite, you know, kind of having a chill year the last year or so. Yeah, yeah. So Jericho comes out. Really weird to hear the crowd no-sell Jericho's theme. It, it's true. It's still a new song at this point. He hadn't really done a little bit of the bubbly yet. He hadn't. <laughs> the song itself is still a new Fozzie song. So, yeah. you know, and I, I don't really know when the singing thing really started. But it quickly has become his, like, forever song, I think, at this point. To his credit, I have played this song in my car. Like, I, I do think this is a, actually a very good song. Yeah, yeah. I wonder about his look. I love the Painmaker look. I, I've always loved it. I mean, I, I love that this guy can just reinvent himself. Right? I do love the Painmaker look. Even though I do feel like it's the least genuine of Jericho's characters, which is a weird thing to say given his, the breadth of his uh-huh. character. But, I like, you know, even Y2J, I felt like at the time that's who he was. Right. You know, and... This does feel like it's it's more of a cosplay. Yeah, and less of more an of extension a get, of, ins- less of Yeah, of it's more designed to get into the other guy's head than to represent, a, mm-hmm. in my opinion, even though he plays it off as like, this is my brutal version. Yeah. Like, at least half the hard cam section has a bunch of fans holding thank you Jericho signs. Yeah. Like, just little eight and a half by 11. I wonder if they passed those out, but I still. think they did, yeah. yeah. So, like, he's getting the thank yous he's asked for and deserves. Sure. But yeah, and when they announced the the competitors, Aubrey's there holding the title belt, and we actually get a good look at it. Yeah, Brett. Unlike yeah, unlike the unveiling at Double or Nothing, I probably watched that back and was like, make sure the camera gets on it this time. So when I was taking notes for this, like when we was going when I was going over it again, I was rewatching it and I paused it at this point, and I realized that Justin Roberts, like he has to hold the mic in front of Aubrey. <laughs> To, so she can say, like, oh, we want to clean matches for the world title or whatever. Yeah. A thing I'm glad they stopped doing, by the way. Yeah. But it's so weird because because she's holding the belt, he has to, like, weave the mic between her arms, like her arm he and her ribcage. He was told cage. not to get in front of the belt. The sure. belt needs to be on no, the TV. No, absolutely, sure. But, it <laughs> like, he's full, he, like, moves, the, his arm is through her arms, so it genuinely looks like he's hiding behind her. Like, it's hilarious. <laughs> it honestly has such, like, do what you want with the girl but leave me alone energy. <laughs> Yeah. It's so funny. 
Jericho oh. is Jericho is an incredible shape here, which is amazing given how much better he looks now right? in 2023. He's still drinking here. Yeah, yeah. Right? No, he looks great yeah. now. So, he, But he looked great in 2019, too. Yeah. Match starts. Yeah, so Jericho and Hangman, they're locking up, testing each other out. We have Hangman, who overpowers Jericho, pushes him out of a tie-up, and then hits him with a clothesline to the outside. It took them all of two minutes to start fighting to the outside. Yeah, like that's <laughs> expected, right? Yeah, Jericho tries to uh, do what's called, uh, well, not officially, but it's called a WCW, where you run around the ring to get the guy to chase you, and yeah. you slide in the ring and kick him when he slides in. Uh-huh. But Hangman is too fast, and when Jericho slides in, he, he slides right in there with him and just hits Jericho with a big boot. Yeah, and then Jericho comes back with another like corner boot reversal, followed by a drop kick, and then... He really, like, keeps this stance up, like, he's waiting to, like, respond. Like, he's got his his guard up. He's waiting to respond to whatever Hangman throws at him. Um, He does try to get Hangman into the walls of Jericho, but Hangman's leg strength is just way too much. And Jericho gets kicked to the outside. Yeah, and I I always like that when when moves like that or the figure four where the guy's just, like, he has too much leg strength. Then Hangman hits him with a tope suicida, to which JR says, We've seen quite a few of those tonight, haven't we? You have no idea, JR. <laughs> Just you Like, wait. honestly, when Dynamite starts, we are starting our tope count. It's going to happen. We're going we're gonna to do it. We're tracking all the topes. All the topes. Because I them. am getting real tired of the suicida. Hangman is definitely, like, a force to be reckoned with for Jericho. He's strong mm-hmm. and fast and smart, mm-hmm. right? He avoids Jericho's patented springboard dropkick to the apron, causing Jericho to just tumble straight to the floor. Like, he's showing, like, veteran instincts for a guy who is definitely not that. Hangman then goes for a running shooting star off the apron, but to Jericho's veteranist, he counters it with a code breaker, or at least it looked like it. He got the knees up on it. Yeah, well, it it slows him down. He slows Hangman down in any event. Despite Hangman's natural gifts, you just can't beat veteran experience. Yeah, he tries, though. And yeah, Jericho's got that veteran experience. He works on Hangman's arms on the outside. Does the heel thing where he rings the bell and says he's the winner. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I just love that. Very quickly, like, the pacing of this match just slows down with the outside brawling. Yeah, the first ten minutes of this match were kind of uneven in this way, to be honest. To me, anyway. That's, like, one of the risks of a lot of outside brawling, in my opinion, which is why I keep pointing it out. When you're doing a lot of walk and brawl, it can get really monotonous. Mm-hmm. And if you have more than one match doing it in a pay-per-view, it gets extra monotonous. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, Jericho's doing what he needs to do, right? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I do love Jericho working the arm of Hangman, though. Like, wrapping the arm around the ropes and stretching it out. He hits Hangman with a jumping arm bar. Hangman's offense is also a lot of chops and, like, hard discus strikes, yeah. which are weakened by the focus of the arm. Yeah. And yeah, for the next few minutes, every time Hangman tries to regain that momentum, Jericho, being the fucking goat that he is, just cuts him off. Hangman tries to go for a running strike, but again, Jericho cuts him off with a drop kick that you said was Randy Orton quality. Yes, drop picture, kick. picture perfect drop kick for a guy of his age. Yeah. Just, like Orton is like renowned as like the drop kick. Right. Him and like Bob Holly have like the best drop kicks in the history of wrestling. Well, Jericho's is pretty <clears throat> fucking close. I mean, the fact that he got that elevation at that age is amazing. Yeah. You know, I don't think he could do that now in 23. Yeah. And you know what? Despite Jericho cutting off Hangman, every time Hangman attempts to make a comeback, the crowd is behind him 100%. Like, they are cheering him on for sure. Super, super over. Yes. 
Jericho hits a crossbody, but Hangman rolls through and deadlifts Jericho <laughs> into a forward slam. They almost botched this, yeah. but I'm, I'm impressed with Hangman's ability to just sort of grit through it. Yeah. Fallaway slam, just a classic move. Razor Ramon, RIP. And from here, both men are down until Hangman kips up, mm-hmm. hitting Jericho with a green blade plunge and then sliding Lariat combo, then a standing shooting star so for two. Cool. Jerry R says, Jericho, given the opportunity, will counter your ass off. You have to put him away. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Which is exactly true. true. Every time, anytime Hangman slips up a little bit, Jericho's right there. Yeah. Jericho goes for a lion salt, but Hangers catches him, getting a Russian sweep off the middle rope for another near fall. Yeah, and then Jericho counters a body slam into the walls of Jericho again. But Hangman, fucking thoroughbred horse legs, <laughs> yeah. pushing Jericho off. I hope they never break. He's just too strong. Then Jericho gets nailed in the eye with the discus strike and rolls out of the ring to put ketchup on his right eyebrow. Oh, no, wait, that's definitely blood. <laughs> and yeah, we saw in the promo, of course, that Jericho gave Hangman eye stitches, <clears throat> fight for the fallen, payback. But yeah, Hangman beats on Jericho in the ring, taking him to the corner to beat on this eye injury. Which is gushing, by the way. Yeah. On the one hand, I do really like the themes of this. Hangman being young but tougher than a $2 steak, to quote JR. (laughs) But much like the Cody match earlier, I feel like the content of this match isn't so much to write home about. For every, like, cool spot or sequence, there's another five minutes of walk and brawl, followed by another cool spot, followed by another series of corner punches or kicks. I don't like it when it's predominant. You know, like, again, it took them all of two minutes to go to the outside in this match. Like, it's a world title match, guys. Can For the company that isn't WWE, can we not do outside brawling for the first 10 minutes? Can we not, please? <laughs> I do like this much better than the Cody match. I think their chemistry is better, and I think the spots that are cool are cooler. But I do feel like there's large gaps of time in between. Just kind of... Meander. Yeah. Well, I mean, getting into it, we're getting, I think, close to the end here. Yeah. Jericho counters Hangman, who gets hung up on the top turnbuckle. They fight each other on the top until Hangman drops Jericho with an avalanche, swinging that breaker for a really, really close two. That looks brutal, by the way. Yeah, and you know what? Jericho's bleeding hard. Hangman's just feeding him strikes and knockdown blows. Do horses stalk their prey? I don't know. <laughs> Um, either way, though, Jericho's blood's really messing with his vision, though. Yeah, it's also messing with ours. Yeah. Uh, but even blind, though, Jericho is aware enough to suplex Hangman and hang him on the top yeah. rope. This is where his veteran instincts kick in, right? Mm-hmm. Jericho goes for the springboard dropkick again, but again, Hangman super kicks him. Deadly legs. Oh, brutal. Hangman hits the buckshot lariat, but doesn't cover, I don't understand, instead opting to hit the dead eye. Which I think at this time might have been his finisher instead of the buckshot. Mm. But the buckshot becomes his more prominent move. Okay. Jericho rolls through the dead eye and negotiates into another Walls of Jericho on Hangman, which he actually connects with this time. Yeah. He keeps up the Walls of Jericho for a bit, but Hangman finally makes it to the ropes. And then Aubrey forcefully pulls Jericho off for not breaking the hold. Jericho gets in her face. She doesn't back down because she's such a bad boss i love yeah. what a boss aubrey is totally this does give time for hangman to recover a little bit too i also like how like foe taken aback jericho is by this he's like <laughs> yeah. what a referee and a woman is talking back to me <laughs> yeah very that amazing hangman hits the patented orihara moonsault from the top to the outside hitting jericho but also cracking his knee on yeah. the ramp like it's a gross thud yeah Again, can't be a wrestler. Just these leg injuries. I can't, even it's that stuff. Lot. It's a lot. Hangman goes for another buckshot, but he gets caught with a codebreaker. 
one, two, kick out. The crowd comes alive for this, I think, for the first time in this match. Not that they were dead for it, but this was like, this was okay, this is the finish sequence. Yeah. We're getting there now. Yeah, because the crowd's just like humming and alive. Jericho hits Hangman with knees to the face. But this time, Hangman's the one who cuts off Jericho's momentum. Hangman goes for the running shooting star again, but this time Jericho gets the knees up. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice. You don't get you fooled again. You don't again. get fooled again, right. Hangman. What are you doing? He's going to get the knees up. Right, exactly. Codebreaker attempted, but this time Hangman catches him with the dead eye. He just like straight up lifts him into the yeah. dead eye. But then Jericho rolls through again for a two count. Page then rolls Jericho and lifts him for the dead eye and nails it for a 2.9, and the crowd now is seeing the end coming. Buckshot Larry again, but Hangman doesn't go for the pin again. What the fuck? I don't understand. And Jericho doesn't, or JR doesn't notice this either. He goes for another dead eye, but Jericho rolls through, and as Hangman goes for a discus strike, Judas effect! One, two, three. Jericho is the first ever AEW wow. heavyweight champion. What are your thoughts? Great finish. Great finishing sequence. I feel like by the end, they were really humming. I do think that the match could have had a little more intensity. I feel like they bottled some of it. I don't know if it was maybe, like maybe they were trying to do more with less, but I feel like there were some lulls in this match that that lowered its rating for me, I guess, if you would say that. Overall, I mean, very entertaining. You can't go wrong with Jericho and Hangman. Like, if nothing else, this proves that Hangman can hang. Sorry, no pun intended. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> but with he can he can keep up with a guy like Jericho. He belongs in the ring with a guy yeah. like Jericho, yeah. even if he isn't there ready for the world title yet. This guy's a main eventer, without question. Absolutely. Hangman is a main eventer. So yeah, a big big fan of this match. What are your thoughts? I it, I agree with you. It was kind of a slower pace match with not a lot of wild spots like the ladder match before it, but. It's also for the title belt. Like, does it need a bunch of wild spots? Like, technically speaking, I think it was overall a really good match. Like, I didn't note any significant botches. No, nope, not at all. Very clean. Um, and we got to see the moves that, like, some of the moves that these guys are known for. You know, I love Jericho. I think universally <laughs> we sure, should yeah. love Jericho. At least as a wrestler. Uh, yeah, that's true. I love yeah. Jericho as a wrestler. Like, I'm so excited to cover the next five years of me, Jericho. Me like, too. A constant presence in AEW. I don't know what AEW would be as a company without him. Uh, thank you, Jericho. Like, yeah. Really. And you know what? Hangman Page was looking really strong, and he's a fan favorite at yep. this point. And you know what? To be honest, Raman, in 2023 so far, I haven't seen a lot of Hangman Page in singles matches. So I'm really excited to see more singles matches from him after this match. Like, he, this was, it was da- cool. He's he powerful. He and Daniel Bryan have a 60-minute brawl. Yeah. Like, and it's fucking amazing. I cannot wait to be calling that. They have two of them, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I cannot wait to be calling those. Yes. Amazing. So the pay-per-view ends, but it doesn't really end. Oh. Because okay. there was a post-match where Jericho walks into the back there's an interviewer he's talking about this and he's like well they told me like oh they're gonna have a huge like platter and like lots of drinks and stuff just this big celebratory table for whoever the champion is okay and i walk back there and there's like a fruit platter and a bottle of champagne <laughs> that sounds awesome what do you mean <laughs> see salami that's what chris jericho gets a bunch of crap look olives look at this look this olives with nothing in there and you look at this one there's a little guy in there can't even get proper olives can you what else we got? Oh, a little bit of the bubbly. Want some bubbly? Look at this stuff. 
Apparently he was like, okay, yeah, I told my called my manager and I'm like, we need to sell like a little bit of the bubbly champagne. It doesn't it doesn't I don't care what it is. We just need to sell it now because like in a week it's gonna I'm, be over. I'm gonna look into this. He said, like, I'll show you the interview. So no, he, I mean I'm gonna yeah. look into whether it's actual champagne. And then or he was like, oh, it turns out it was fucking great wa- champagne. So people really liked it, but I had no idea. I just wanted to make money off the gimmick for as long as it lasted. I mean, it's a great. I'm like such a wrestling. What you know a what? carny! Roll what with, a carny! Roll with the memes as they come. I love right? it. Such a carny. So this, yeah, the the little. I'm new. And this is why. That's why Jericho is such a good fucking wrestler because he can capitalize on shit like he's that. Such a good improv guy. Just, that's part he, of wrestling, like, though. It is, but like you know, it takes a special guy to be like. I'm gonna say one line, and it's become a, gonna become a whole thing. You know, like. That's, that's, there's just a magic to that guy where, like, he had a list where he'd put people's names on it and it became the hottest thing in the company. <laughs> you know, like. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so that's, that's the fucking main event. That was a really. Really good pay-per-view overall. I think it was overall. a really good pay-per-view overall. Yeah. yeah. You know, I had my hot takes about the deathmatch and the Cody Rhodes thing, but overall, really entertaining. And the Dark Order match, I guess, but. Yeah, we haven't gotten to talk about the Dark Order yet, and we said we would, but we're not doing it yet. Because this this doesn't really feature them, honestly. I don't think, at this point, they really knew what they had with the Dark Order. Yeah, like, I want to, like, kayfabe learn more about the Dark Order before Mm -hmm. I do a sort of factual deep dive. I want you to go through a a rabbit hole of just, like, Dark Order segments on BTE, because they're fucking (laughs) magic. Yeah, And there's so much, and, like... Send me down rabbit holes, because I don't have real work to do. It's cool. (laughs) Yeah. I think overall, fantastic pay-per-view for a setup to Dynamite. To Dynamite, yeah. Because I do think this pay-per-view overall is an excellent representation of what in Dynamite and on television. Mm -hmm. So, you know, overall, I think it's a thumbs up for me. Yeah, no, I fully agree with you on that one. So I am very excited to be tuning into Dynamite Episode 1, Season 1, Episode 1. so good. Thank you so much for listening to us. If you want to reach out to us you can reach us at wanna watch aew at gmail.com that's w-a-n-n-a because we wanna? are both writers apparently <laughs> you can also find our patreon by looking up wanna watch aew if you want to send us a two dollars or five and you know give us a little support for our our fledgling idea and hopefully if we can reach some stretch goals over time. We would love to do some other reviews for our patrons. Yeah, and yeah, if you want to email us ideas for Patreon content, because we're still really new to this. Like, yeah. Uh, so yeah, give us uh, give us some ideas. We are also on the website, formerly known as Twitter, and on Reddit, and maybe Discord. I don't know. We will be on Discord, and we will have an Instagram at some point, and... Give us a rating or review on Google Podcasts or Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts of choice. Those are the best, the best way to support us, honestly. Forget the Patreon if you don't want to, but just give us a rating or review would be super helpful. Okay, see you guys next time. Bye. Jurassic Express. What is going on with you? I have. You are have, incapable of writing this correctly. I'm gonna change. Hang on, we're cutting that. No, I'll, that's great. We're keeping that. No, so wrong. Wrong. This is coming in. This is this is how we're entering the the podcast. This is what we're opening the podcast. This is the cold open. The cold open where I'm just giggling about how you cannot write Jurassic Express for me.